Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester. And if I can't podcast about a television show after 11 p.m., and I'm Avstanetsky, and I have a structured settlement, but I need cash now. Oh man, uh, please, please don't come come at me with this uh, this little D energy right now. Uh, don't get that song on my head. <laughs> Welcome back to Pretty 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 Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss season twelve, episode four, Disgruntled, which originally aired on February twenty fifth, twenty twenty four. Uh, I'm here for it. I'm very excited. Uh, this is by far my favorite episode of the season. Um, oh. You know, uh, I just want to jump into it unless uh, we have any pending business. Um, I don't think we have any pending business other than one question. Alex Chester, are you disgruntled? No, but, you know, and I know that you know this story because um, your defense yes. of me in this story was I wasn't <laughs> smart enough to have done it. Basically. I was very I was very excited to discuss this to, yeah. to hear to hear this story. I don't know. I, I assume we've probably told this story on this podcast at some point or some podcast. Yeah. Uh, but like this is exactly that. So I'm sure it'll come up. So uh, yeah. I, I leave it to you as to when this will be discussed. <laughs> I mean, we could discuss it right now, but sure, go for it. Um, Preface our episode with your personal disgruntled story. Yeah. So um, and of course, I was referencing uh, Frank Costanza saying that George wasn't smart enough to come up with a scheme like this. When I was in, um, I was in Israel for the year at a yeshiva, um, uh, made up of mostly Israelis, with a few people from America and other countries. And so the the, the Anglo-speaking people, the Americans, the Brits, etc., a number of us uh, got subscriptions to the Jerusalem Post, which is the English paper that delivered to the area, so that we could read the newspaper in English in the mornings at breakfast. Um, and but it wasn't exactly clear how many people were subscribing. Uh, because some people's subscriptions would lapse, like they subscribed for a week or a month or whatever. But the the upshot was that people who were subscribing or thought they were subscribing would go to pick up their papers in the morning and their papers would be gone. And so I called the Jerusalem Post, uh, got a list of all the subscribers in our school uh, and and when their subscriptions uh, were uh, valid and when they were expiring. And I made a little chart and I and I taped it up next to where the uh, the, the newspapers were delivered every morning and it was a little checkbox. So when you got your paper, you could check the box so that if uh, papers were missing, we'd see who had got them, who hadn't got them. And then the boxes would like end on the day that people's subscriptions ended, et cetera. Um, and then I added a note and I said um, that um, taking a paper that doesn't belong to you is uh, against uh, is against uh, Jewish law and also against the law. Uh, and then someone else added another sign, and this is the part that was not me, that said uh, a slogan from the Talmud, Shoel Shalomi Da'adganavu, which means uh, a borrower who borrows without permission is a thief. Um, and so that's – anyways, so this happened, and uh, the the head of our uh, institution, the uh, the dean of our school – Which actually isn't even like that controversial, right? Like taking somebody's stuff without asking them is stealing. Like Sure, but the, the problem was that um, the dean of our school, his assumption was that people uh, would borrow a paper that perhaps they didn't subscribe to, would open it, would carefully read an article, and would nicely fold it and put it back and treated someone else's belongings with respect – 
the way that he would. What actually was happening is people were taking the papers and just leaving and not returning them. Or people would take them, rip, rip, rip articles out of it, you know, make co- whatever. Like you, if you didn't subscribe to the paper, if you, if you did subscribe to the paper and you showed up late to breakfast, you were not getting your newspaper that morning, basically. Or if you were lucky enough to get one, it was badly damaged and missing sections. It's you know the sports was gone or whatever. Um, but the dean of our school. Well, you should have gotten up at the crack of dawn to go for morning prayers. If yeah, well, maybe no. I, I was in prayer so long that by the time I. Had Exited prayers. The that's sure. actually more likely what happened. Sure. These Israeli these Israelis weren't going to Minion. <laughs> the newspaper stealers certainly weren't going to Shul. Um, anyway, so yeah, so the dean of our school uh, called like an emergency uh, session where he called all the uh, international students together, where he basically berated the putter uppers of the signs. One of which was me, the other one of which was not me. Anonymous. Um, yes, uh, and, and he, yeah, but the berators of the signs for an hour for have for being sodomites because uh, notwithstanding the way that the term sodomite is generally understood in English, um, sodomy, uh, sod- sodomite behavior as it's actually described in Jewish scriptures is um, to uh, say uh, what is mine is mine and what is yours is yours. That the people who lived in Sodom and Gomorrah were extremely selfish in that they were extreme followers of, of you know, they were, you know, good fences, good make good neighbors. No, th- for them it was extreme fences. Uh, you know, they would not lend anyone a cup of salt, et cetera, et cetera. And Mexico's so, going to pay for it. Yes. Uh, that was sort of the the stereotype in, in traditional Jewish scripture about what a sodomite is. And so he called me a sodomite essentially. But – I did not put up the other sign. Um, I don't know which sign was more or less controversial, but and as Av says uh, that well, I was you were in charge of the coats. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So in that in that respect, I, but it wasn't disgruntled. It wasn't anonymous. Like my name was like first on the list of subscribers, and like all that. Like I was organized. I wasn't trying to hide the fact that I was organizing this because I wasn't doing anything wrong. Um, these people were not sodomites in respect. Of, I don't know what they were doing in their dorm rooms later night. Maybe there were other types of sodomites, but uh, in that that they were these people were stealing newspapers basically, and so that was the actual issue there. So you but, were uh, lowercase anyway. disgruntled as to. The accusation you were capital D disgruntled as to a different accusation that was not the cause of controversy. Yeah, um, but yeah, so but I yes, I don't know who added the second sign to this day. I don't know who it was. Yeah, it's probably the same person that spilled the milk at the Autone. Yes, spilled the milk. Yeah, somebody once spilled the milk and no one has still fessed up to it. Well, wasn't wasn't the the vomit in the sink? That's the thing. Yeah. yeah, but there was also never fessed up to, right? That's av- that's Avatone. This is the Avatone. Oh yeah, oh I thought you said Avatone. <laughs> Completely different thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> different location entirely. Yes. Um, um, yeah. Okay. Well, one of them had a more direct negative impact on your life, though. That someone was vomiting in your sink. Um. Yeah, but I think the sink got clean by the time I was awake. Yeah. So. Yes. Uh, the the person. Yes, the person who cleaned it claimed he didn't do it, which is very suspicious because people are, people love to clean up other people's vomit in the middle of the night when no one else knows about it. <laughs> That's generally what you do when you see someone yes, else's vomit. Exactly. You which say, is, I'm responsible is, for cleaning exactly. this vomit. Which is why I assume he's the one who did it. He but, who uh, cleaned it, puked it. Sure, yeah. Um, I, at least he cleaned it, right? But uh, he cleaned it and then yeah, his other Yeah, no, listen, no yeah. harm, no foul. You yeah. know, that's fine. Anyway, all right. Well, let's I, not make it right. the things that nobody I've else certainly done. About. I've certainly done worse than, <laughs> than vomit and then clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Shall we hop into the episode? Let's do it. Don't want to leave our viewers too disgruntled here mm. as we just tell personal stories. That's not why yeah. anyone's here. As, yeah. Uh, from time to time, um, we'll be told on Apple Podcasts, like, no one wants to hear the stories that, like, you two idiots. <laughs> I'm like, I think they do. Like, it's like, we're two idiots. Like, why are yeah. you listening to this podcast if you're not interested in their stupid stories? I can confirm we're idiots. 
Yeah, it's not like this is like the official like if like it was the official HBO like p- podcast and it was like sure. oh here's Alex and Av and they're talking about like stories from high school. Yeah, fair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but like that's not what this is. Yeah, they have that. They're covering season one, episode five right now. Yeah, enjoy. Yeah. So yeah, so let's jump right into disgruntled. <laughs> Where we start out on the golf course, on the course. Sorry, inside the club. I apologize. Um, yeah, can I ask a question? Why does Larry have all his meals at the club if he doesn't even like it? Well, I, I was gonna get into this from this yeah. whole front letter. Like, if he's eating before a round of golf, he that like he's with Funkhaus or whatever. That's one thing. But like when Susie and Irma are here, these are not golf. These are different social gatherings. These are gatherings that in other episodes would be in different restaurants. But here. <laughs> Every meal takes place in this one restaurant. And what we learned from this letter from Disgruntled is that this seems to be a very bad club. Yeah. So, like, I don't know why Larry yeah. is continuously worried about being kicked out of this club. Well, um, for the golf. They need it for the golf, perhaps. Even though there's, they, they, there are, there's, there's golf related campaigns. Yeah. He lives in Los Angeles, and he's a billionaire. Like, yeah, you know, but, like, he's, but he's been kicked out of all the other clubs, right? And he, and he tried put- out... He tried it for the conservative uh, Republican club. He has right? to put up with Takahashi's bullshit to stay in this shitty club. I gotta say, I'm real proud of Mr. Takahashi though, making uh, these Dana Lee making these uh, returns. He's even in season twelve. He's become like a core character of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like he's up in there in the ranks. So we should we should check in. He's he. I think retroactively, uh, other than Jeff Schaefer, he's got to be our highest profile guest in terms of their uh, influence in terms on the show. Of, curve. Yeah. 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 Um, I think you you had before you had the exact text of this letter that we're going to see. Can you share that with us? Yes. Oh, the text of the letter from Disgruntled, you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's what we started out. We started out with Larry's like reading aloud this, le- this letter. Yeah. So would uh, you like me to read the letter? Yeah. This very much reminded me. I had like this like deja vu flashback to the day that they announced the teams of um, who made the team in eighth grade basketball. Oh, and, yeah. like. Like I was the one who read aloud the teams. Ah, like I okay. saw Larry here, and like I was on the bubble for making okay. the team. Like I wasn't like obviously on the team. I thought I had a good chance, um, but like you know, I was like you know in the bottom half of the team probably of people who made it. So it was like a very weird thing to have to like read the thing when like all I'm in, like I'm not reading it in order. Yeah. I'm just like scanning <laughs> it to see if like my name is somewhere on this list. Yeah, but 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 did you make it? make it i did oh make it. wonderful wonderful yeah, yeah. all right an um, open letter to the management of the ocean view golf club um yeah there, there's no there's no black swan like in all the insignia there's a black swan but there's no black swan reference in the name which i didn't realize it's ocean view um i am writing this letter to address numerous complaints including but not limited to the food it's not good we get packaged turkey roll instead of real deli turkey is this what we are paying thousands of dollars in dues for that's a disgrace Number two, I've never had a piece of bread in this club that wasn't stale. This is a golf club, not a penal colony. <laughs> Number three, golf clubs or golf carts are over 20 years old and many are in disrepair. Go to any other club and their carts tell you the distance to the green, but not Ocean View. Number four, why do we have to abide by these antiquated clothing restrictions? Why can't we wear shorts on the golf course? And shirts must be tucked in at all times like it's some kind of reform school? Ridiculous! <laughs> Number five, a lot of exclamation points here. Uh, why are there no benches on the golf course? If the desire was to speed up play, it's had the opposite effect. Well, we know why there's no benches, because when the, the one bench they had, they had to rope off. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 yeah. I noticed that. I was like, yeah. oh, there are benches, but they're just aesthetic. 
And while we're talking about the golf course, you need to take a serious look at all the favoritism for tee times. I guess Valchek is getting those good tee times. Lastly, your management style leaves something to be desired. Now, is this talking about Takahashi directly? Of course. course. Yeah. Yeah. I know many others feel this way, but are too afraid to say anything. This club is supposed to have a convivial atmosphere, but instead people are walking around in eggshells. We pay too much money to be treated like this. And then, of course, it's signed anonymous. No, but then also the part where it says shame, shame, Yeah, Yes, yeah, shame, shame on you, and then signed disgruntled. (laughs) That's one of the points. It's like number seven, shame, shame on you. That was my favorite part of the letter. Yeah, so that's the letter, which, of course, we know is written by Jeff. Um, It's it's kind of a ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it really does beg the question. This sounds like a horrible club. Like, why I don't get it. Like, they're they're both way too wealthy to be going to this shitty club, Um, especially one that, like, Larry's, like, fighting to be allowed to stay in this club like go to a different club they'll take your money yeah i mean there no there must be some amazing perk it must have the best golf course or whatever but yeah that's right they don't but they don't explain it but right there must be something yeah. that this club brings to the table because it's certainly not takahashi yeah yeah so um as they're reading it takahashi comes in he rips the letter down um, and he wants to know who is disgruntled. He starts looking around, and of course, he looks at Larry, his funny guy, and he um, he accuses Larry of being disgruntled. Larry denies it, and he promises to, to search to the ends of the earth to discover the true identity of disgruntled. Yeah, could be anybody, as we'll discover. Yeah, he couldn't even figure out who killed the black swan without it being added to him to the zoomstone. So I don't, I don't really, I don't really trust Takahashi's detective skills. Yeah. And I assume that Larry managed to convince him that the tombstone thing wasn't true. It was just a disgruntled uh, tombstone creator. Cause otherwise Larry wouldn't still be in the club. Yeah. Also like in, in terms of like Larry, like not being in the club, like why can't he now that he sees Larry there? He's like, Oh, by the way, like I meant to throw you out of the club last week and like your balls aren't currently out. So now I'm throwing you out of the club. Yeah. Like what? Like the balls thing is just like it's a he has like lifetime immunity now from being kicked out because he like somehow like outsmarted him that one time. Like even assuming the balls trick should work. So like, fine, you got out of that meeting. But like, OK, now you he sees you again. You, you're further antagonizing him in his mind. Like you're, you're done. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah. And then Larry could go to an actually good club where the, the food doesn't suck shit. And <laughs> the. um. The um the management treats the you know I bet at most fancy Los Angeles golf clubs the like the management and the staff kiss the ass of the of the members right yeah well there's favoritism apparently here they are kissing the ass but only of the Valcheks of the world but not but not Larry yeah, yeah. Larry's not important enough in the world of Curb yeah um so Larry's telling this story at lunch about what happened with the letter from disgruntled and Susie's like, listen, I don't blame Takahashi. Like, it sounds like something you would do, um, which I guess we're supposed to confer, you know, assume that like at this point, Susie doesn't know yet that it was Jeff. Yeah, it is weird because we'll see Jeff tell Larry. We don't right. know when Jeff tells Susie, but based on their therapy sessions, they've been talking about it a lot. So unclear. Yeah. So I, what I would say is like, I think he tells Larry first, just from the sequence of events, because mm-hmm. if he was, if, if Susie already knew that like the way he like pulls Larry aside to tell him is a secret, doesn't really make sense. Unless yeah. like his, his like big concern is that like Irma is going to tell someone yeah. like that doesn't make sense. Like yeah. if, if Susie already now, he knows, is doing a lot of discussion of it on the premises, which is a little risky. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's all very stupid. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, everything about Jeff's – like, there's, like, nothing to gain here. It's all downside because, you know, you know you're dealing with Takahashi. But, well, he's trying to start a revolution. Yeah, so Jeff um, Jeff fills in Larry on the fact that um, Willie Geist would like to interview him for his Sunday morning show. Hmm. Um, now, who is Willie Geist? I didn't even look this up. I guess I should have done this. I know he's, like, from one of the shows, but, like, what specifically is he deals? He's an, is he, like, an NBC person? No, he's an MSNBC guy. MSNBC. I actually, okay. yeah, I, I actually originally learned of Willie Geist, I think because he was on like the Bill Simmons podcast like 15 years ago. Uh-huh. Um, and that was before he was, yeah, but he's, he's one of the co-anchors of Morning Joe along with Amika uh, Brzezinski and of course Joe Scarborough. And we saw him in episode one of the season right. on TV, right? And then he has his own show on Sunday called Sunday Today with Willie Geist. And then, you know, he fills in for other NBC shows all the time. Um, oh, he's he, on Morning Joe. Okay, I said it. Yeah, yeah. I know you just said that. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so I saw Larry. Um, did you not see this? I thought it was shared in the Pretty Pretty Good chat. Larry and Susie went on Morning Joe for like a 12-minute segment. Um, oh, no, I didn't in, see that. Uh, in promoting season 12. And they showed uh, they showed clips from this episode. Um, and, and they talked about how Willie had a big starring role on the show. And everyone on the uh, it was Susie and Larry and um, and then the other and the other members of the Morning Joe cast were all like telling Willie how great a job he did. And I thought they were sort of blowing smoke up his tuchus because, you know, oh, you're on the show. Oh, yeah, you did a great job. You did a great job. But he, did, he really does do a good job in this episode. Yeah. No, no, he's fun. Um, yeah, listen, and I'll, I'll, and I'll he's just also very like, tall, full, six foot four. Full, I looked that up. Full, um, full transparency. Willie Geist, um, his people reached out to us. He asked if he could come on the podcast. Um, but we said because of like the whole like equal time policy, um, then we would have to have like Sean Hannity on also. Uh, and we're yeah. just like, yeah, we don't want to do it. And he's not even on the show. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but like they said, that's the law. So, um, we, we said thank you. We appreciate that you reached out, but yeah, it's just like it would be the it guy might, who you didn't know he was until two minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, also that I was like, who are you? Like, I know you're on NBC something, but like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, you were pretty good on the show. Um, yeah. Do you but, do you watch cable news? No, of course not. I never watch any cable news of any any type, any channel, except on election nights at all. And I don't understand people who do. You're not getting the news, and you know you're just giving yourself anxiety. So don't do it. No, it's it's horrible, horrible programming. Yeah, it's very uh, bad. Many horrible shows on both sides. Yes, yes. No, <laughs> they're, they're all, all bad. No, all the channels. They're all, they're all horrible. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, it's not even – it's like they're all so bad that it's like notwithstanding my opinions, like it's not even clear to me which is the worst. Like it's like they're all very bad in very different ways. No, but even like – like I like Jake Tapper a lot, and I think he's a very good journalist. And, but like there's still like 98% of his show is unnecessary. No, no, like, see, like, so, like, in some regards, like, CNN is, like, the most neutral, but it's the worst, because it's, like, their whole thing is just to, like, keep teasing things that are soon to come, that are end up being nothing, because, like, they're just trying to get you to keep watching CNN, like, they're only interested in ratings, like, the other ones have, like, agendas that are, like, good or bad in different ways. Well, it's, it's pretty clear, yeah, the, uh, they're desperately pining for Trump's return, because, you know, that was yeah, kind no, for their ratings. C- CNN yeah. only cares about ratings. Like, yeah. It's very out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so like in some ways like that's the most the most despicable and other ways it's the least despicable. Uh, I don't know they're all bad. Yeah they're all bad that's my yeah. point like like yeah. you can skin the cat very a lot of different ways here. Yeah uh, they're all very bad. Yeah. Um. So yeah so we uh we want to take our orders for breakfast and the waitress lets them know and this waitress her name is uh what's her name Anna something and Alex who is she? Well she is uh, Mrs John Hamm among other things. Yeah. She's an actor in her own right, of course. 
Yeah, but, I was, uh, yeah. She I met thought, John Hamm on on the set of, of Mad Men, I believe. I was thinking that I, we should make a list of all the couples that have been on Curb. Both of them. Like, we've yeah, that because we've had yeah. a handful. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah. But obviously we have you know Ted and Mary. Um. We had there was like that one of like the I think the couple that was can't remember there was a oh it was the couple with the Asian baby. Yeah. I think they were a married couple in real oh. life. I'm sure there's been more, but I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I haven't prepared for this list, so. Yeah, yeah. Catch me off. Oh, no, I didn't prepare either. Um, yeah, if any. Um, but that's cool now to have that. Um, so yeah, wait. What else do you? Is there anything else you know her from? Um, not really. Really? Okay. Mad Men. Is she? Who is she on Mad Men? Just like a random. I, I don't remember to be honest. Like not like not a recurring character. <sighs> Who was I in my Mad Men? Um She was a receptionist. Yeah, so she's probably not an important character. Um okay. Well, um she has a lot yeah, of she, she, she was on one episode. She played Clementine. Yeah, I, I don't remember that. Okay. Yeah. Um so yeah, she's got some she's got some spunk and she's just like, sorry, we don't serve breakfast after eleven o'clock. Which is yeah. a, I would say, possibly weird, but very common policy in restaurants. Like, yeah, I feel 11 a little bit earlier than it normally is. Perhaps. But the point for, is like, for the reason that Irma says, like, you don't want to pay or beat salad or whatever it is at 1130. My deeper issue here, and obviously waitstaff is like a longtime Larry Bugaboo, but like. I, I and I must have said this on the podcast before, like when you're in a service industry, like if I was a waiter, especially, especially. If you're a waiter for rich and famous people at this country club who are going to be like you be the slightest amount of nice to them and they will give you a massive tip. But like if I was a waiter at a diner where nobody where people gave one dollar tips, I would never, ever say the word no under like uh, I will be your waiter. Make the most absurd request you can of me. Um, I would like for you to go catch an octopus, kill it. Then I'm not I'm not interested in eating it. Then I would like for you to build for me an oven in which you will bake a pizza and I will eat the pizza. Okay. I'm not sure if we can do this, but let me go back in the kitchen (laughs) and check on you. I'm going to try and get it done for you. That would be my answer to everything. Let me check on that. Then I go back to the kitchen. I make fun of the asshole, the (laughs) kitchen staff, and then I come back and I say, "Uh, I'm so sorry, Av. I tried. I spoke to the kitchen. We really tried our best. Unfortunately, we just we can't do that today. We have to order on the menu. I'm really, really sorry. And that this way, is I'm an outrage. Hero. I'm the hero. Not hero. Where's my dead octopus? I tried as hard as I could. At least that's your feeling. Even if I don't try at all, I don't understand with these waiters who are like giving Larry lip and like yelling at him. Like your job is to get a tip out of him. Anyway. Yeah. Well, now a lot of these places they just have like set service. So, which honestly is how it should be. So, still the same. But yes, but we know that there's tips here because we've seen the tips. That I guess, here but then, like one, for, like once the once the price is fixed, then. But you well, still I, want people to return to your establishments that you can stay employed and, and you know. Make- yeah, but that's like a lot more tenuous. Where it's like I don't know how how invested every waiter is in the long term sure. viability Anyways. of the restaurant they work. If, at. if I if I was working at a restaurant with tips, I would never say that. That's like that's like that's like Kramer's plan to take um, Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, out of it's about the long game. <laughs> it's long game. Yeah. Uh, within a matter of years, their yeah. clothes will deteriorate. Yeah. Um. 
So yeah, so it's like it's eleven ten, and Lowry wants breakfast, and she's just like, "Sorry, the the clock says eleven, the card says 11. Um and he's like, "Well, I see on the menu that one of the items you have here is a Cobb salad, which was invented by the grandfather of my friend Bob Cobb." Um, I cannot Bob Cobb. Bob Cobb is from Seinfeld, right? Yeah. Here it's a different Cobb. Do we remember yeah. his name? Whatever. Some other one. I don't know if we learned the grandfather's name, but it was a lie anyways, because it came from the restaurant in Chicago. Right. No, but we do. What's yeah. the name of the Cobb we actually interact with? Oh, the one in the wheelchair. He's in a wheelchair. Yeah, he's remember, and that's why Larry says he screws the wife of the man in the wheelchair. Oh, that's the the man in the wheelchair. I didn't even realize. Yeah. That. Yeah. His yeah, name I was uh, that. Cliff Cobb. Cliff Cobb. Cliff Cobb. Cliff Cobb is the man of the wheelchair. Yeah. Oh, I forgot that. But that's okay. the episode. Oh, yeah. He screws the wife. Yeah. Remember, because Larry and the wife were joking about having an affair because because uh, because uh, Cliff and, and 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 Cheryl were in such deep conversation on the other side of the table. And then, of course, uh, unfortunately, the wife of the man in the wheelchair took Larry's joke a little more seriously than intended. Yeah. And the person who took it the most seriously was the uh, Wagner <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um. um all right. So, so yeah. let, let's discuss the breakfast loophole that Larry's trying to get here. Yeah, so he sees that they have already on the menu a Cobb salad. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, what are the ingredients of Cobb salad? There's eggs in there. There's bacon in there. Like Now, the thing that's like a little bit weird is like that the Cobb salad egg is a hard-boiled egg. But also, you don't need to say take that egg because Larry's bringing his own eggs anyway. <laughs> right, that's true. Right. Well, he would have them make this the Cobb salad with his eggs. Yeah. But now, so like a few things. So like, first of all, like... I assume when like the, the bacon and eggs that he wanted to order was not gonna be a hard boiled egg and, well, and no, bacon. Well no, but no, his point is that you you still have those ingredients at lunch. Those you have the are eggs. still in the kitchen. You haven't locked them up yet. Right. So the eggs um, and the bacon. So like he also could just like order the cob salad and just eat the parts that he wants. Well, but he doesn't he wants an omelet. He doesn't want a hard boiled egg. Okay, so yeah. So the oh fine. Okay, yeah. so there he is. He's talking about the ingredients. Yeah. Fine. Um, I love what he's like. Um, this is not gonna work, and you're not the first person. Yeah, you're not the first person to try. Then why the fuck are you doing this? Like, what is the purpose of this restaurant? Like, I am disgruntled now. Like, why would you have a restaurant whose purpose is to piss off the clientele? Everyone here clearly wants breakfast, as we'll see from all the other tables when they get their eggs. Like, (laughs) change the rules. Like, your purpose is to serve your customers. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, Takahashi is running a terror. Like, he's a dictator here. (laughs) I mean, 11 is way too early to cut off eggs because sure. as as they'll point out, like eggs is a perfectly fine dish to also have at lunch. Yeah. Uh, less like, common. But yeah, you could not. But it's it's fine. It's like 11 is a completely like central yeah. brunch time. Like, yes, for maybe sure. Maybe you want to start phasing out the, the French. Now, it could be 11 days. on the weekdays and maybe 1230 on the weekends or something like that. Right. Especially, yeah. Yeah. We don't know. We know. I don't know if we know what day. It is. Although the kind of people who are lounging in the club at eleven o'clock, anyways, on a weekday, probably ain't working. Like for them, it's always <laughs> right. the weekend. Anyway. They want eggs. You should definitely yeah. still have eggs at yeah. eleven o'clock. Yeah. Um. Sure. People might want to have like eggs in a salad. Like that's like all you know a light. Especially like they're about to go play golf. Like they don't want something so heavy. Like it's well, way too early well, to flip sa- the switch. Well, there might be there might be egg salad sandwich on the menu also on no, the lunch that's, menu. No, that's that's not what anyone wants when they say they want eggs. They don't want an egg salad sandwich. That's like a, that's like the. No, I mean thing. that's that's the more common eating of eggs at lunch, though. I think is the egg salad. But eleven o'clock is not lunch. No, I know, but I'm just saying for the lunch menu. No, yeah, you, the, the breakfast menu should still be available at eleven o'clock. Obviously, yes. Yeah. Um. So he's like, "Can you at least ask?" So like, well, ultimately, she agrees to do what you're saying. Is it like at least you you, you go ask her, or you? Pre- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, also like he's not the first one to try to this breakfast loophole. She's sick of it, frankly. Yeah. 
the people to be sick at are not the clientele. It's her bosses. Yeah, so, and then she's, like, completely shocked because, like, now he's, like, and also, like, use these eggs. Like, at a certain point, like, we'll see, like, he also brings his own bread. Like, it begs yeah. the question, like, why you're paying so much yeah. money if you're also supplying the ingredients? Yes. Just, like, figure out a different arrangement for your meals. Like, you yes. could hire a private chef, probably, for much less money. Sure. Like, much more for efficient sure. than what you're doing here. But they want to hang out at the club and be disgruntled. <laughs> be disgruntled. Yeah. He brings all his food with him yeah. to the restaurant. It's I mean, the other thing is, is Ir as he explains why he brings his own eggs, Irma is very upset about the antibiotics in the eggs, right? So much so that she's going to talk about how it's, it's going to lead to breasts being grown on Larry. But then later, she'll be very happy to eat their standard anti uh, antibiotic-filled eggs when she trades with Hobie Turner. Yeah. Um, so, it's, yeah. It's also like Larry somehow like channeling like a much more orthodox person who's like, excuse me, I brought my own salmon and can you please put it in tin Oh, for foil? kosher reasons you're saying. Yeah, 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 and like also like I have like a special knife that I brought and can yeah. you, you have to use that and like please wait 24 hours before yeah. you cook other things. <laughs> it's like, like, like the only the only people in the world that like come into restaurants with like insane specific demands are Orthodox Jews and Larry David. Well, I think in vegans now and and people who are, I, there's so many like, like random Random and strange and unusual. I should say strange. Uh, unusual, I think, dietary strange, restrictions. Strange yeah. Ours right. Strange. People who are gluten-free, this free, that free, this allergy. I'm, you know, people are probably coming with all kinds of crazy things these days. Yeah, but like kosher has like the extra layer sure, of, of like, insanity. Because yes. it's like it's not just the thing. It's like anything that may have ever interacted yeah. with the thing. Yeah, but most people who are that strict about it ain't eating at these places anyway. But yeah, there's circumstances. You're on a cruise or whatever. It's right, possible right, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. So <laughs> Jeff is like, well, this would be another good uh, topic for the disgruntled letter that they cut off breakfast through. Oh, early. for sure. Yes. Yes. Everything <laughs> going on here. The bad <laughs> eggs, the bad bread. The bad, the bad bread was on the was on the list already, actually. Yeah. 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 Um yeah, and Irma is like she's all against the um, you know, unorganic eggs, of course. Yeah. Like, you know, we un completely expected like she's for the almond milks and the the organic eggs. Uh, because of course, like regular eggs are full of antibiotics that could cause men to grow breasts. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm questioning the science on this one. What was her Aunt Honey? Was Aunt Honey the one who grew breasts? Aunt Honey? Who was George George and George had like when he was like this in investigating his uh Well he had Aunt Baby. Oh, and baby, uh, sorry. And baby died when she was two. She was a baby. Oh, so we don't know about her breasts. Yeah. Um, no, the, yeah, the, yeah. there was someone else who had big breasts. I forget who that was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Larry thinks he would be pretty, pretty, pretty cute with breasts. That's three pretties for the idea of Larry with breasts. Yeah. How many times have we done pretty modifying something other than good? I feel like they've been doing that a lot recently. Oh, because it's pretty, pretty, pretty cute, you're saying. Right. Yeah. Um, I think this is the first time, according to my list. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I feel like there was like one or two of those last year, but I guess maybe I'm misremembering. Last year we had um, we had Larry giving three pretties about ordering a lobster. Mm -hmm. We had eat lobster. La it's good. Yeah, we had Larry giving one pretty. And then John Hamm as Larry 2.0 respond. Oh, that's season 10 already. Uh, responding with two pretties. Uh, Chulu Scones got four pretties. That's the most pretties we've had in a while. Um, Larry's feeling about the fatwa after talking to Salman Rushdie. That was two pretties in season nine. Um, oh, Larry gave four pretties to his foisting of his assistant onto Susie. 
um, as we go back to season eight. Um, Emily, the little girl in the flashbook in the flashback, when she sees uh, Larry naked in the back of the Mr. Softy truck, she gives him three pretties for being naked. All right, so three pretties for naked uh, Larry's breasts then, and three pretties for uh, Larry's breasts here as an as an adult hypothetical after eating antibiotic filled eggs. So we got some consistency there. Larry's always worth three pretties. Um, the last five pretty that we got was George was Jason Alexander as George Costanza on the Seinfeld reunion. Gave a full five pretties. Oh wow! So um, and that's one of uh, only two five pretties uh, in Curb history. The other one, all the way back in season two, in the thong, when yeah. we got our uh, five pretties. Do you do you think we will get a full five pretties in the finale? Oh, that's a good question. So the fact that it's only happened twice in season seven and season two, and by the way, there's a zero percent chance that anyone involved with the making of the show knows that. <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's so, all there's there's also no reason for anyone involved with the show to view five pretties as any sort of specific yes. <laughs> like yeah. number to hit. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't I don't oh, know. Oh well we aware. want a, you know the, the the pretty, pretty, pretty good podcast scale. We want yeah. to operate on that spectrum. Yeah. But the but the reason we use that spectrum is because five is the most that they've ever given. But again, they're 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 not even aware of that for sure. <laughs> um yeah, I, I, I'm sure we'll get a pretty, pretty good in the finale, right? For sure. Oh, for sure, yes. Like, in, towards the end. And hopefully it will be. You think it'll maybe, that would be cool if it end, the show ends with Larry saying pretty, pretty, pretty good. Oh, just like our podcast. Yeah, that would be yeah. great. As an homage. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um. By the way, I, I do not give any pretties to how cute Larry would be with breasts. It sounds kind of gross. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, so Irma is talking about how she's really making progress on this sobriety journey, and her sponsor thinks that it would be a good idea for her and Larry to go to couples therapy. Yeah. And Susie has a take on couples therapy that absolutely knocked my socks off. Which She hasn't really needed it before. (laughs) What? Yeah. Like, like broken I mean, up. I don't want to like, like, check this, but it's like I feel like we've probably like referred to Jeff and Susie being in couples therapy before. Yeah. Um. I I, I don't like, I don't know anything offhand, but it's like it wouldn't surprise me if it was like literally a storyline where they mentioned that they're in therapy. There's also something like, just really despicable to me about like people saying that they don't need therapy. Um. Uh, Bill Simmons, by the way, it, it, he does this. He he does these ads for like one of these online therapy companies. He's like, I don't need it, of course, because I'm so perfect. But other members of my family have needed it before. It's like really obnoxious. Uh, he doesn't say those exact words, obviously. But he. But is uh, he saying it in like a tongue-in-cheek way? No, he makes a point of saying like, "Oh, there's been members of my family who've needed this and have used it," and it's like he's very clearly saying that he doesn't need therapy. Um, and um, in the way that Susie and Jeff are saying here, which is of course absurd. And by the way, if that's their position, then why do they suddenly go in this episode? What happened that they suddenly needed therapy after 25 years plus of yeah. marriage? Um, yeah, uh, therapy is very good. Everyone should do therapy. Everybody should um, do therapy. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not it's not like always pleasant and it's time consuming, but it's like an awesome thing to do if you have the, the ability and the finances and the emotional vulnerability to do it. It's a very beneficial thing. Um, I, and if you don't, then you need therapy even more, probably. <laughs> oh, for sure. No, I, I think I think almost anybody would benefit from therapy. Yeah. Because, but, like, but I think the, the, the less frequently you go to therapy, the more you need therapy. Talking about all people in society. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But like <laughs> even even just the bare minimum of every person just like talking to a stranger for an hour every week would like that's like would probably be like a huge benefit to them. Cool. Talk to strangers. Um, yeah. No, you could say anything you want to a stranger. It's very, <laughs> very liberating. <laughs> sure. I think that's a, I say anything I want on the podcast already. 
Yeah. So, so not everyone needs therapy the same amount, but like strangers are like yeah. huge. You, know, you just like you can say anything to them. Yeah. They don't know it. They don't know you or anyone. Jed, Jed has said to me before. She said, "You know, your podcast listeners are not therapy." I'm like, "Yeah, but maybe for me it is." <laughs> I think half of therapy is saying the words, regardless of whether even someone is listening. Um, like lots of people do therapy with like, you know, writing or, yeah. or, you know, making art or whatever, like that's therapeutic for a lot of people. Like you don't, mm. there doesn't need to be an audience. Um, but, um, yeah, so, so obviously Susie and Jeff need couples therapy more than any couple in history. Like they're like cartoonishly beyond therapy. Like as their therapist <laughs> will say later on to her husband in, in one of her many preaches of confidentiality in this episode. Yeah, no, like any therapist that they would go to would be like, maybe that's what they never needed therapy because like any therapist would be like, you guys are Don't like beyond back. therapy. Yeah. Like, there's nothing we can do here. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a waste of everybody's time. Yeah. Um, so Larry, um, he, he has like this like fl the flashback again, remembering that like he made this commitment that he's going to, you know, kind of like acquiesce her needs for six months because you know, he doesn't want her to relapse. And everyone kind of at the table is kind of like bullying her. So he he accepts the uh, notion to go to therapy. He, like he he momentarily he mentions like, oh, well, it's like only like X number more weeks. He's like, till what? He's like, oh, till you're cured. And Hold like, on a second. Yeah. yeah, so uh, we, we need we need to get into this week's thing because um, and, uh, this is a thing that you and I have discussed before on this podcast. And this com this comes later, actually, at a, at a later session, but uh, a later uh, breakfast that they're having. But um. 16 weeks, 16 weeks is not four months. Four weeks is not a month, right? Like the fact that people still can't comprehend this is very annoying. So Larry was told he needs to stay with Irma for six months. Six months is 182 days. That's 26 or 27 weeks. So if Irma notes that her sobriety is made at 15 weeks, uh, and again, this, this conversation happens not at this meal, but at the meal later on with the Turners, then Larry mumbling nine more to go is wrong. Nine more is 24 weeks, but 24 weeks is only five and a half months. To get to six months, you need 26 or 27 weeks. Uh, the same way the pregnancy, as you like to complain, is nine months, which is 40 weeks, not 36. Anyway. Uh, did you hear what Trump said last week, by the way? No. He said uh, – so he came He came up with a – he wants to have a nationwide abortion ban at 16 weeks. And here's yeah. his exact quote. You know what I like about 16? It's even. It's exactly four months. No, it's not, you fucking imbecile. Yes. Four months is 17 weeks and three days. 16 weeks is three months and about 20 days. Yeah, well, I, I would go crazy. I used to go to these Shabbat meals in Riverdale yeah, where yeah. All, all the women who got pregnant for the first time yeah. would say, it's like so crazy because my whole life they told me that pregnancy is nine months, but it's it's 40 weeks, so it's actually 10 months. Like, isn't it like such a crazy thing that like, why do they always say nine months when it's really 10 months? Yeah, and as I said last time you told me the story, the women who are saying this should not be allowed to procreate. They are too yeah. dumb. I'm sorry. Well, they were allowed because unfortunately we don't have laws against dumping people being able to procreate yet in this country. But one day we'll get enough people on the Supreme Court to make that a law. Yeah. Well, the people who uh, can't procreate naturally are no longer allowed to procreate, apparently. So. Um. So yeah. So we're talking about abortion for some reason. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Um, 16 weeks is perfect. It's 14 months. It's four but, months. Um, yeah, no, I'm very pro-abortion. Like anyone who <laughs> is pregnant and doesn't want a baby, like should probably yeah. get an abortion. Yeah, it's like much so, better yeah. than having a baby in a lot. Yeah. 
Those, but uh, those babies always turn out. To Even be if you want the baby, you should yeah. probably get the abortion. Yeah. But like, I guess I hear keeping the baby. Um, you know, all those successful true. people who say my parents didn't want me, my parents don't love me, my parents hated me. That's why I'm the success I have today. You hear it all the time. It's a cliche. Yeah, babies yeah. are a lot. Yeah. Don't have babies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we're at breakfast. So we're yeah. Um, so. Yeah, we're already still up, right? So the um, we 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 have Susie recommends this um couple therapist who has saved the Janowitz's marriage. Mm, yeah. I don't think the Janowitz's are canon characters in Curb. I googled, no. I googled a little bit. I couldn't. Yeah, see we've them. never heard of them before. I couldn't see any connection. Yeah. Um, it would be nice if they threw us a bone here with like some like you know. Yeah, some... give us like the Browdies. Remember that? Yeah, they were or terrible. Anyone. Just like any random couple would be like, oh, interesting. Like just like give us a little bit more like meat on the bones here. Like it'll be a nice. Yeah, but that would that would require like uh, Susie and the rest of the people uh, like to remember these people and they don't remember. They don't remember them. Like one person has to Google like any name. Yeah. Character <laughs> yeah. I just, like, throw us a bone. It it's been be 25 cool. years. These people are yeah. so fucking old. <laughs> anyway, it's fine. Yeah. It would yeah. be nice if it was just, like, right. Someone from season four. You would like, just, we're just like, checking in on Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, she brings them their, you know, order full of breakfast. Everyone gets what they want, except Jeff, who had his order switched from pancakes to something healthier while he was in the bathroom. Yeah. And, so yeah. And when everyone else in the restaurant sees what's going on here, they start flipping out because they want breakfast, too. Yeah, my favorite is the guy who screams, everyone wants breakfast! <laughs> and by the way, I, I'm with them. I, I love a good breakfast. Breakfast uh, for breakfast for lunch, breakfast for dinner, great Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Israeli breakfast, my favorite breakfast. Um, great great uh, uh, fresh cheeses and fresh vegetables. Um, but yeah, everybody wants breakfast. I'm fully on the team, everyone in this restaurant, <laughs> except for the except for Mr. Takahashi and the waitress, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I absolutely love a good breakfast buffet. Mm-hmm. Um, po- possibly even more than like, like a lunch or, or dinner buffet. Like, I mean, obviously those are awesome, but I don't know. There's something about the breakfast buffet. That's just like, it's like also, cause it's like the beginning of the day. You feel like you can eat so much. It's like, it's all, it's all like the, the future is so bright and promising and open and it's all yeah, just I don't there love, for you. I don't love American breakfast so much. Oh, I, like I, I too, love that too. They're too heavy on the starches, like waffles oh, and pancakes oh, and French toast. I could and... eat so much French toast. I love waffles. I, I could, but I'm not. I love eggs. So. I love biscuits. Um, yeah. so much good. It's just like it's just like endless. There's like so many different things to eat. Yeah, for me, it's about the dairy. Give me good dairy. Yeah, that too. It's like right. They also have like a good like selection yeah. of like cheeses and breads. Yeah, yeah, I mean we. I was I was just in Paris in the fall, and like Paris breakfast is just like absurd. You just like get like these like humongous like crusty delicious baguettes with just like different types of cheese and you just like stuff them in there and crunch them and you eat them <laughs> it's so good yeah but the best good. coffee you've ever had it's uh, uh everyone everyone should always just be in france yeah okay <laughs> schedule your therapy in france yeah it's a good idea um so yeah so uh, Larry, Larry has the gall to, uh, in the in the face of this, you know, crisis that this waitress now has at her hands. Um, it's like, oh, you can buy you can butter, maybe can you get a little butter, please. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then we find out that Jeff is disgruntled, and Larry is exuberant to say the least. He says yeah. he first says this is the best thing you've ever done. Yeah. But he then he has to I guess like rein in a little bit. He's like, I don't think you've ever done anything good before. So yeah. like this is the first first good thing you've ever done. Yeah. Therefore, the best. So I, I was actually wondering. I guess in the world of Curb, 
Larry and Jeff did not save a man's life from death row because they were filming at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't, yeah, I'm not in a position to like rack my brain here. Um, but I'm sure Jeff has done some decent things over the years that we've seen. Obviously, he's done some very bad things. Like, well, he's done good things for his friend. Mentally ill person. Yeah. He's done good yeah. things for his friend Larry. Yeah. I kind of don't count that though. It's like, like, I always hated the people who were described as like, oh, they're nice to their friends. Like, no, that means asshole. But that is, but that's all he's doing here with his disgruntled letter. He's being no, nice the, to his friends at the club. I didn't know. Yeah, disgruntled for everyone. Like he's he's being heroic, right? He's doing it for the benefit of the of the community. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At least ostensibly. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it'll be more heroic if he put his name on it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's much, not as much much like Larry did in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not as as heroic as voting uncommitted in a primary to show everyone who's boss, but you yeah, know, heroic nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. He head back over to Larry's house, and now Larry is – he's kind of doing like a pre-interview meet and greet with Willie Geist, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense. It's like it's I, – I, I remember like when I realized that, like, that this was a thing that was going on, and I was like, oh, of course. Like they – like this is all coordinated but like they have interviews yeah. uh, on these things like there was like a point in my life where i didn't like it never occurred to me and then like it clicked and i was like oh yeah this is how all of that like everything works yeah yeah um the larry sanders show which i watched at a relatively young age is how i guess i learned about that because you see right. all the pre-show interviews before all the guests come on the shows yeah um yeah. so yeah so like he's telling him the story of how he took in a family from hurricane katrina and now one of the members of the family still lives with him. I don't know where he is. He's probably off fucking or something. But, you know, yeah. he, he, this is where he lives. Larry and, also, he, he's like very casually lying about knowing <laughs> ahead of time that he was breaking the law when he gave the bottle of water um, uh, to Auntie well, Ray. And like it kind of gives me anxiety because I like the, I'm sure this is going to come back to bite him in the ass. And he's just oh, like, well, yeah. so for sure. So, I mean, the way Willie Geis asks the question is framed as like as if he suspects that he didn't know and that this was an yeah. accident. Yeah. Well, because, like the, otherwise you would frame it as more as like so like when did you like first hear about this yes, law? And yes. like what was it about this law that like so you know bothered you that like took you like you you would never question the premise yeah, that like course. he did this as a way to protest the law unless yeah. you had reason to think that this was just like some like you know weird coincidence. Um, and like, so of course he lies because otherwise it's like much less interesting, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like if, if this happened in real life and the guy started the story by saying, first of all, I just want to say that I knew this was the law and that's why I gave the person water. It wasn't an accident. Like, yeah, like now I'm suspicious. Right. Exactly. Um, so right. Larry says he's going to take it all the way to the Supreme court. I think they, I think it probably already went to the Supreme court and they said, this is, this is fine. Um, Although I think this that piece of the law is not part of that law anymore. Um, oh, I thought I read that they expanded it uh, to like even 150 feet away or something. In two, in um, oh no, excuse me, that was the part that was struck down. They struck down it can't be expand. Um, they they limited it to uh, within 50 feet of the polling. I forget what it was, but I looked it up. But in 2021, the court ruled and they 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 struck down some expansion of the water bar of uh, the food and snack bans. Anyway. All right, go for good yeah. job by Larry David. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, my other fact check here is when Willie tells Larry that one person called him an asshole. 
Yes. There's, there's no way that <laughs> it was only, only one, right? Like Larry brags about how he hates people, how he's an asshole. Like he was just bragging about it to Michael Fauché a couple weeks ago. Um, and then of course he goes on to start listing people he thinks <laughs> it could have been. Which again, if Willie Guys hasn't spoke to him about why Larry's an asshole, of course he not will. Right now he's gonna go track all these people down yeah. to, yeah. to provide additional color to the story. Um, yeah. Of course his first guest is Ted Danson. That's classic. Yes. Um, but then it's like it's like it's interesting. Like I would say unusual continuity here that he cites Troy Coatser from last episode yes. as a possible. Mm, you think he's coming back? Asshole accuser. Maybe I, I guess maybe that makes me feel like he's more likely to come back. Uh, or maybe they film these episodes together, right? I mean, a lot of it takes place at the club for both of them, so maybe. I guess right. Also, yeah. this is improv, so like, yeah, you know, it's it's not necessarily like, he, that could have just been in his head. But like, Herb doesn't usually like reference back to uh, episodes that way, unless there's a reason to. Yeah. Now Larry says it is a known fact that every single person on Earth has been called an asshole. Including Mother Teresa. Yeah. Now that seemed like such a weird choice to me to say Mother Teresa because Christopher Hitchens very famously wrote an entire book about how Mother Teresa is a huge fucking asshole, right? So, like, um, in fact, let me. Uh, this is from the first paragraph of the Wikipedia article about the book. It says the book's thesis is quote Mother Teresa is less interested in helping the poor than in using them as an indefatigable source. Indefatigable source. <laughs> All right, I'm, we know the word. I'm reading over it. Of wretchedness on which to fuel the expansion of her fundamentalist Roman Catholic beliefs. So, like, um, Mother Teresa was very famously called an asshole, like in a very high-profile, famous way. So she's a bad example. Um, but I do think that everyone's probably been called so an you're asshole. you're saying old to, uh, yes. to Larry. Yeah. But um, I probably most people have been called an asshole by an asshole, right? The people dishing out the assholes, whoever smells right. it. Right. Just because you're called an asshole doesn't mean you are an asshole. Yeah. And I'm saying that the person calling you an asshole is almost certainly an asshole. You might be also, but they definitely – right? Like if someone like – if someone calls you an asshole in traffic, for example, they're an asshole almost for sure, even if you did something assholey. Right, but somebody who knows you who calls you an asshole might be a nice person who you fucked over. Perhaps, yeah. They're probably an asshole also. All most people are assholes in some level. Yes, exactly, yeah. Um, There's very few people who have never been an asshole. Yeah, yes, also true. Um, Yeah, so it is weird that Geist, um, but all of Geist's journalistic, uh, you know, focuses in this episode are very strange to me, right? Like, he really cares about who disgruntled is. I'm not sure why. (laughs) And by the way, if anything— Yeah, just because it's silly. But as a reporter— Shouldn't he be pro-disgruntled? Disgruntled is a whistleblower, right? Breaking the news, sharing with the world the reality of this dictatorship. Like, Willie Guy should be pro-disgruntled. And he shouldn't be the, trying to out-disgruntled if disgruntled doesn't want to be outed. He should be trying to support disgruntled, right? Like, Sometimes the identity is more interesting than – like, the who is more interesting than the what. Like, when there was, like, that that you know New York Times op-ed of, like, the secret Trump staffer who, like, said all, all these things. And I was like, yeah, everybody knows all this stuff, but, like, who is the person was what was interesting. Um, turned out the person was not anyone that I would have heard of, so it was very uninteresting. But, like, yeah. if it had been, like, the Secretary of Defense – that would be very interesting. But like like Deep Throat, everybody wanted to know who Deep Throat was, right? Except that it turned out it was also the Secretary of Defense later who said all the same stuff. But oh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, literally every former cabinet member of Trump says, come on, it said the same stuff. Um, but like everybody wanted to know who Deep Throat was. But I'm saying that the reporters who were benefiting from the, the story of Deep Throat, they were not saying who Deep Throat was. They were protecting him. So Willie guys right. should want to protect Disgruntled. For, uh, right, you know. because there the identity of Deep Throat was less interesting than the substance of Deep Throat. 
Well, but I mean, you know, well, it ended, by the way, it ended up being Mark Feltu, basically everybody had known it was all along, kind of. So it was also like a little less. Exciting. Whereas here, I can see that the, the angle on the story is it's like, who is this person that is like writing this like tirade against the management of this very shitty golf course? Yes, to quote uh, Rev Lichtenstein from the story I referenced earlier, I don't want to know who wrote it. I could find out, trust me, but I don't want to know. <laughs> That is not Willie Geist's position. Willie well, Geist really wants Turns to out he couldn't have found out because if he probably tried to find out, everybody would have said it was Chester and they would have been yeah. wrong. Yeah. Well, again, I'm 50% guilty. Yeah. Oh, the other best part, of course, is that this emergency meeting that he held to complain about this, I wasn't even there because uh, our mutual friend Rafi, Rafi and I had like ditched uh, school to go into Jerusalem on some uh, some trip of whatever we were doing. Some escapade. And, yeah, and so apparently as he started his rant, everyone in the room turned around to look for me and I wasn't even there. But I started getting texts about it immediately. So, and then was told in person hours later. So, um, yeah, the, so the scene ends with him accusing Larry of being disgruntled. And then we get a classic Larry's, um, you know, detective the stare. stare off, the stare. Yeah. Um, and this one except, is initiated by Willie. Right, which has yeah. happened a couple of times, I believe. Yes, it's also Willie has because he's six four, he has the real advantage here. It's actually the norm now is for the guest to initiate it. So Willie guys yeah. initiates it here. Lynn Manuel Miranda, he initiated it um oh, against so we Larry. didn't have any for two seasons? Yeah, the last one was in season nine, was Lynn Manuel wow. Miranda. Um in the accidental text on purpose that season, we had a double. We had um Dr. Wienerker and Be Bebe, who I don't remember who Bebe is. B E B E. But he or she or they Isn't did Be a, uh, is Bebe um the mental patients that 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 what Jeff sleeps with? No 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 no. This is season. I'm talking about season nine. Bebe oh, wasn't was in the accidental Bebe. text on purpose. I don't remember. Oh, um, it's June Diane Raphael. I think he was oh, just like yeah. Larry, uh, Larry's girlfriend. Or uh, okay. Oh yeah. Oh, by the way, Jerry initiated one against uh, in season seven. Mr. Takahashi himself initiated yes, one in the Black Swan. Yes. Yeah, and so, Larry, Larry and Jerry do it also, I believe, at some point, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So. I said Jerry initiates. Yeah. So oh, yes. Oh, okay. So yeah, Willie Geist is the fourth person to initiate it against Larry, um, and he uses his height very well. But um, as always happens with these with these stairs, there's no resolution. No resolution. It's just a yeah. standoff. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So Larry and Irma, it turns out, are going for therapy mm -hmm. as Larry has given in. And they're sitting in the waiting room, and she starts humming the JG the JG Wentworth jingle again. Yes. Um. So we're getting to the point where it's like, is this is this like part of the plot somehow? The song. Yeah, because like they're bringing it back. It was in episode one. Now it's in episode yeah. four. It's I hope a little, not. It, it's a little unusual, right? I see no reason why it should be. Yeah. But like they're like it's a weird thing to bring back. I mean, maybe it is product placement. Maybe it's advertising. Yeah. How much did you want to pay her? Yeah, she's like, she's like, let's act out the commercial together. Yeah. <laughs> and he, she actually gets him to like kind of play ball. Yeah, I was thinking this is the best as a boyfriend that Larry's ever been. We've never seen Larry disengaged. Yeah, that he is in this scene right here, yeah. where he like he does the the wing the JD Wentworth. He, even when they're approach. literally physically engaged, he's not engaged. Yeah. yeah. Um. So all of a sudden, a person walks into the ther into the into the waiting room, and she's the yeah. therapist. Yeah. And we find out that this person, Melanie, is someone who Larry knows. Turns out, her husband was a writer on Seinfeld. Yeah. Hope and, not a real person. 
not a real person. Although the strange thing is, did you Google Hobie Turner? I think I shared this in our Seinfeld. No, chat. right. You, you, you did say that. Yeah, you could go for it. Yeah, if you well, so now actually, so I first googled it on on right when the episode aired. Now, when you Google it, the first hit you get is is Rob Riggle as Hobie Turner on this episode of Curb, which makes sense. But then the next hit, and what was before this episode aired, the top hit was the episode of Seinfeld called The Jacket, and I have no idea why. There is a character in that episode, uh, or an actor, excuse me, in that episode, Franz Turner, who plays the salesman, but there's no Hobie. And so I don't know why, but for some reason the episode, uh, and, but I, so just the words Hobie Turner, no Seinfeld, no Curb, no Larry David. Yeah. No, Type I mean, in Hobie it's Turner. Some, and you it's some like algorithm thing where like it knows that you're, because it, like, it also factors in your searches. I guess so. By the way, and now as I'm looking, other than th that one thing, everything is about this episode of Curb, which let's just happened. Let's but, see if I do incognito what we got. Yeah. And then I get one about Kobe Turner, the Rams rookie defensive tackle. Was it Hobie Turner? Yeah. That is actually interesting. It, Hobie spelled H-O-B-I-E, which is not the normal uh, way of spelling Hobie. What yeah, so it's the, the fourth hit is the jacket. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, Hobie is an unusual way of spelling Hobie. And then Kobe Turner on the Rams spells it the exact same way, but with a K instead of an H. So maybe Larry just uh, knew that this uh, – well, he would have been in college at the time, I guess. Yeah, so – this um this therapist of course is played by Annie Mumolo. Yes. Um she is a an Academy Award nominated mm -hmm. writer. Yes. Um most notably known for being the writer one of the, the co-writer of Bridesmaids with Kristen Wiig and also the co-writer with Kristen Wiig of Bar and co-star co of Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Yes. Um, obviously Bridesmaids is much much more famous than Barb and Star although I would argue Barb and Star is a funnier movie. Mm, both very funny I will say. Yeah, both uh, funny. Now I did not recognize Melanie Turner as uh, like I actually thought for a second that it was Ida Turturro, Tony Soprano's sister from Sopranos, Interesting, who of yeah. course we already saw on the show playing the wife of the inventor in Car Periscope. Right. Um, and I had to look it up to I so I didn't realize right away that it was Annie Mumolo, even though a uh, big fan of Bridesmaids and a, a bigger fan perhaps of Barbara and Star Go to Mr. Del Mar, which you turned me on to. Yeah. Um, and she I've actually seen Annie Mumolo in a bunch of stuff, but uh, not super rec recognizable, I suppose. Yeah, I didn't I didn't recognize her either until I looked her up after I looked up her name afterwards. And I was like, oh, that's who that is. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, while we're here, can we talk about the Ted Dancing Club? I would you stop with the Ted Dance? <laughs> Who's he? He's somebody. What about me? You're nobody. Why him? Why not me? He's good. You're not. I'm better than him. You're worse. <laughs> much, much worse. Sure. Hold on. I don't yeah. think we have anything <laughs> relevant. Well, we have all kinds of wild cameos in this episode. Um, right. That's true. So not, we yet, have, not yet, but yeah, later. Yeah. Adam Schiff, Congressman Adam Schiff. Uh, what does Trump call him? Lion or something? Or um, short like Jew? Yeah, Russia. Something. Yeah, Jew Adam Schiff. Um, he's in the episode. He's credited on IMDb, and so we're gonna have to get into the thing we did with Ben Affleck. He's credited on IMDb as disgruntled golfer number four. Mm -hmm. Now, is he Adam Schiff, the congressman, disgruntled golfer number four, or is he just a different disgruntled golfer number four? I don't know. It's interesting because there's also a Jason Schiff in this yes. episode, restaurant patron number three. Yes. It wasn't clear to me if Jason Schiff is the son of Adam Schiff. Yes. Something. So I tried to look it up. Um, I could not get that information anywhere, but I did try and look that up. You, um, you, you couldn't find out the names of Adam Schiff's children? Yeah, I could not find out if there, there was no Jason mentioned on his Wikipedia page, for example. But it lists so. his children. It doesn't mention Jason. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, his children are Lexi and Elijah. Yeah. So, yeah, so then Jason is not. 
Uh, yeah. But he could be still related somehow. I mean, yeah. I there also is. could be more. There could be more than one shift. I mean, I know many shifts. I, I, so, do you assume that like these were people that just like happened to be at the club that day when they were filming or something? Like, no, I, don't I, th- I think that Larry and Adam Schiff are friends or friendly or whatever, aware of each other. And and Larry said, "Hey, do you want to be on the show?" Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, and they put him in as just like a random person on the golf course. Well, he's course. not an actor, right? I mean, now they did have Senator Barbara Boxer, but like himself. I didn't even like I didn't even, like I don't even know who he is, like. But it's almost more like a favorite. Do they, like, do they even let, call attention to him? I don't think so. so, so right? Larry, no, but it's the same way. Um, you know who else was a disgruntled golfer in this episode in addition to um, Adam yes. Schiff? Yes. They all did this. The whole episode was to fool Lloyd Braun. Yeah, Lloyd Braun. Lloyd Braun himself, the real Lloyd Braun, worked in Giuliani's office once upon a time, sold computers, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, went a little crazy there. And, this, um, is the, and now, this is the real Lloyd Braun, right? Like, yeah. Like the producer. Yes, this is his first ever credit as an actor, though, ever on IMDb, is this episode of Curb. So, yeah, I, I think feel that, like, I feel like they were at the golf course. Like, uh, no, the, the, there's no chance. Hold on. You think they were filming this on location? First of all, they're not allowed. The, none of these people are just background people because they all have to have like cards. Like you can't you can't have people like right that aren't union and stuff. There's rules about that. Yeah. Every yeah, single person know. that's being filmed is there because they were paid to be there, planned to be there ahead of time. I, I don't know. I just feel it's uh, like 100 percent. Like if it's we, Lloyd Braun and Adam Schiff, like that's like a uh, weird uh, combo. We had we, we had a guest on once who made fun of us for this when we asked. Oh, yes. It was. um, What was her name? Um, the the Asian American actress who played two different characters in the, in episode zero. She was like an HBO executive. Right. And then and then she ended up working. Susan Nakamura, thank you. And then she ended up working at the restaurant. Yeah. We once asked her this. We said, "Oh, were you just filming at a restaurant?" And and she like looked at us like we were morons. Every <laughs> single every single set is a set. Every single person there is a paid person to be there. They're an actor. It's not just random people showing up. Like you know, it, it, this is not Borat. Um, and so for sure, I, I don't think that the, the golf scenes are filmed on a set. Those are probably filmed like on a golf course. Like they yeah, yes, like, but 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 it's not just the random people who are at the golf course that day. Every single person there is there because of the Kirby Enthusiasm episode. No, but what I'm saying is like they could have said like. They have like the seventh hole to film today, but like the course is still open. Maybe and, the other holes are open. Adam and, Schiff was not and, just walking by. And Adam Schiff was there, and they're no, like, "Hey, no, want to be in the show?" That's definitely not what happened. Adam oh. Schiff, like every other celebrity who ever runs into Larry David, because he's talked about it on these like podcasts and on these interviews he's done, begs him, "I would love to be on the show." Everybody in the world who's ever met Larry wants to be on the show. So Larry doles these out as either works in the story for some people like Willie Geist, or who he still picked. I'm sure there's been a hundred other like I'm sure that um you know give me a name of some talk show uh, like uh, cable news person because I don't know uh, Anderson. What's the Anderson's guy's name? Anderson Cooper. Yes, Anderson Cooper. I'm sure he's told Larry he'd love to be on the show. Uh, these guys all want to be on the show. Um, and so he said and he Anderson. Chose Willie Geist. Sure. No, and also there might be timing. Thi- well, well, why do you think Willie Geist is on it? You think he was just walking by and ended up on in like a main no, character? No, he's a real character. Sure, but why did they pick? Why did they? But why and how did they pick Willie? Plausible that like, oh, he was but, there. Good. You but could why and how do they pick Willie Geist? You don't think it happened that him and Larry met each other at some event at some point, and Willie Geist said, "Oh, I'd love to be on the show if there's ever could a time." Be, yes, I agree yeah. that Willie Geist, who has a who was a real character, was not but, just but, that type. But many That's very other than many other people. Call for number what I'm saying is, who happens to be a member of Congress. That's very yeah, weird. Adam Schiff doesn't have time to film a whole episode, so he has like literally like 20 minutes or an hour. So that's why they said, right, "Okay, I'll come still could have, He still could have had a speaking role. That takes that takes way more time, and Adam Schiff doesn't have time for that. All right. Or or he Larry decided Adam Schiff isn't good enough at it. Perhaps right. Vinman he put in it like whatever. He, cut um, him. he he had a whole storyline with Adam Schiff that he cut. I mean, cut perhaps him. our guest last week turned out right. We had her on a guest as an episode that she was on the screen, but she had no speaking right. role. But she, it'll uh, be she great. Related. 
it'll, no, she was on the speed. All oh, right, she's on the screen. Um, it would be great if um, it turned out that Jason Schiff was excellent and he kept his scenes in. But cut yeah, out that. Yeah, but but Lloyd Braun again, not an actor, but he's a producer. He's a buddy of his. He says, "Hey, listen, it's the final season of my show. I've been working with you for 20, for thirty years between this and Seinfeld. Let me put you on screen for a second. I don't think it's yeah. that he happened to be that they needed somebody. I think it was a deliberate choice. Yeah, maybe. I don't think yeah. they needed someone. They're just like, oh, this will be fun. We'll put, you know put him in the background. Check. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't a spur of the moment decision. I don't know. I I, yeah. I, I think it was planned. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. No, well, we. I, I don't think either of us know. Um. So yeah. So. Larry's like, oh, look, we, look, we know each other. Um, we shouldn't be, which is like obviously right. Like they shouldn't, she shouldn't be their therapist. Like to my oh, point earlier, of like course, it should yeah. be like an anonymous person. That's a kind of the point. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, especially, especially this therapist. Yeah. I mean, we, we've, so we've had a lot of really bad therapists on this show, right? <laughs> yeah. um, Who does Larry hate more therapists or like restaurateurs? Yeah. I mean, uh, can we can we can we rank his therapists? Um, if you have them all offhand, I'm happy to, but I don't know them offhand. Okay, so let's 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 think about this. So we have we have, we have okay, the thong. We have, okay, well, well, okay, yes, we have the thong. We never get his name, but we have the therapist in the thong. Mm-hmm. Then we have Doctor Bright, played by Steve Coogan, and Doctor Slavin, right, in the episode called The Therapists. Yeah, Doctor Coogan was very bad. Yeah, well, but at least he tried. Doctor Slavin fell in love with Larry. That was sabotage right. things. Then right. we have we have Doctor Thurgood, Fred Malamud's yes. character. Yes, yes, he's um, like, he's he's similar to Melody, who might be a I good mean, therapist. Compared, but compared to Melanie, Doctor Thurgood <laughs> is a paragon of ethical and professional virtue. Right, because like, he because he only describes in in yeah. um, very you know unspecific details who his patients are. Yeah, so I would say worst for sure to me is 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 Melanie Turner. She's the worst. Yeah, Melanie wouldn't say yeah. Larry David has long balls. <laughs> she would say the the creator of Seinfeld has yeah. long balls. All right, so I would say she's the worst. I would say Dr. Slavin is the second worst because she falls in love with uh, her patient yeah, and sabotages very, very quickly, I might add. Yeah, that's very bad. Dr. Thurgood is the third worst because he's blabbing all over town. Yeah, now we have Brian Cranston, right? Yeah, but but he okay. So yeah, so he of course that's Doctor Templeton. He has the subpar chair. He yeah. he's a better. Fred Malamud also charges him for talking to him at the yeah. autograph uh, yeah. <laughs> convention. Yeah. So who I would say after Fred Malamud, Doctor Thurgood, I think Doctor Bright comes next because which is the Steve Coogan character because he did a lot of crazy shit, even if well intentioned. He 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 convinced Larry to give Cheryl an ultimatum. Yeah. Then I'd say then then I would put Doctor Templeton, Brian Cranston. Right, because you know he doesn't want him talking to his wife, and then he does go chair shopping with him. And then I would say the best therapist is the guy with the thong. What did he do wrong? He he wore a thong on his weekend. Right. Like that's all right. we know bad about him is that he wears a thong. Yeah, as far as we know, he's a good therapist. Right. He way, might Larry be an excellent be... therapist. Yeah. Now, based on Larry's other choices as therapist, we have reason to believe that he's not a good therapist. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Is there any other therapist? Am I missing? No, no, that's. Uh, by the way, Devin Bashevkin, former guest of this podcast, by the way, he just mentioned on the most recent episode of his podcast, which is all about therapy. Actually, um, he said there's been he said there's been at least three uh, therapists on Curb, and but you know I I, I what did I, I just listed six, so I th- and there might be more, so I, I didn't uh, Google it to get a cumulative list. That's those just the ones I thought of. If you can think of another therapist, let us know. Let us know your Curb therapist rankings. Yeah, please. But um... Melanie Turner, very very bad. She's <laughs> very bad therapist. Well, she might yeah. be a good therapist, but she's very bad at keeping confidentiality. No, she's a very bad therapist about everything. Like, um, like I mean, she goes, she goes out of her way to say everything in this room is confidential, and then immediately violates it. This is a literal quote of hers. This is a literal quote. In this room, I am not your friend. I am not your coworker's wife. 
Our time is up. We should go to lunch. Yeah. Literally, uh, back-to-back sentences, she goes from, I'm not your friend, I'm not your coworker's wife. Now, suddenly, let's. I'm your coworker's wife again. Let's all go get lunch together. Like, within the same sentence, she's violating it. So, yeah. um, and we haven't gotten her office sound security system, right? Like... Right. There's also the scene we have a little bit later where with Jeff and Susie where like she wants to talk about the disgruntled letter and Jeff doesn't want her and she's like, yeah. like I'm not I'm not necessarily sure that she's right or wrong, but like I don't know. I feel like let them No, her attitude is definitely wrong. We yeah, have like, to talk about this. Yeah, right, right. If one person really doesn't want you, like I don't think yeah. it's like obvious that you should yeah, right away. Sure. Like yeah. um Yeah, so we find out from Larry and Irma's session also that Larry likes to like pet these phallic shaped vegetables. I don't know what that's about. Well, that, um, he, I think that's Irma's own Michigas. He, ins- he insists that he would eat them in any shape. Yeah. Um, no, but the way Lowry's very defensive about it to me suggests that it's true. So my issue with defensiveness in general is when someone – like it is impo- if someone accuses you of being defensive, it is an impossible Gordian knot to get out of. I don't agree because sometimes when somebody ah, – you're being what, defensive. What do you say in response? Anything you're saying is being defensive. You Well, you might just like laugh it off as ridiculous more – when it's like not true, when oh, like, well, I don't then, know, then, then you're ignoring it. But I'm saying, but if you try and respond to it, I don't know. Sometimes they're like, listen, just because someone no. is defensive doesn't mean that they're wrong. You sound a little defensive right now. Um, no, of course, I hear yes. you. But <laughs> there, I, I think there is some truth to the fact that when people are, some people when they're accused of things that are bullshit, like they're they have an ability to like laugh it off and dismiss it in a way that yeah. Larry does not. Larry has a way to make everybody think it's actually true. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So she then also begins to talk about Larry having a very low-hanging scrotum sack. Which is canon. Long wall Larry. Right. right. We know that already. And when he goes to the bathroom to pee in the middle of the night, he hears them flopping against his thighs. Yeah. Um, And it's very gross. (laughs) Larry doesn't really understand why they're talking about this at all. Yeah. Um... And right, then she, then she's like, let's go to lunch, which is also highly inappropriate at this point. It's like you kind of have to pick a lane. Yes, like if you're gonna take yes. them, she's very bad. Like she was wrong to begin with. Like I think, but like fine, if you're gonna if you're gonna say like no, I could disregard the past and like we'll I'll be your therapist. Like you can't also be his friends. No, but she's not. She's here clearly for the gossip. It's very clear. <laughs> yeah, she's she's very evil. Yeah. Um, yeah so. Then we see Susie and Jeff. Did you, so did you ever, and I guess you answered this before, did you ever have a therapist or anything like that who you saw in any social circles? I don't think so. Okay, because I remember I did once, uh, Jen and I in Michigan when we were dating before we broke up, <laughs> went to see a therapist together like maybe, I think maybe two or three times total, I forget. But like she was like the mom, I, I, I didn't really know at the time, but it turns out her daughter went to law school with me. And so then she sort of like came in my social circles and then like and now and she lives in Michigan. And every time like Jen and I visit there, like we see her in synagogue at Kiddush and it's like it's a little weird. But she's very happy to see us with all our kids and stuff many years later. Yeah, she did. Right. Yeah. Good well, she her. did it because we broke up. <laughs> no, but eventually you came back together. Yes. Okay. Due to her. Yeah. She gets all the credit. All the credit. No, there's um, spoils and riches waiting for her in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Um, probably there's just nothing waiting for anyone in the afternoon. It's more likely. <laughs> so they go in, Susie and Jeff, and while they're talking about the disgruntled letter, that's when we find out about, as you mentioned, the, uh, the soundproofness mm, of this yes. office space. Um, when Jeff hears the sneeze at first, no one else really hears it. 
But then, you know, as Susie, you know, Susie's going on and on about like Jeff's reluctance to cuddle with her, which makes no sense. After all, she's a person who just exudes warmth and intimacy. Why would nobody want? Why would anybody? Why would anybody not want to snuggle with her? What kind of person doesn't want to cuddle with Susie? <laughs> um, and then she hears the sneeze, and now they're like, "All right, this yeah. <laughs> therapist office did, is not did, so." Secure. Did Melanie just move into this office? Like, <laughs> yeah, this week? It's, it's very bizarre. Yeah. Um. So a like, machine in there or something, right? Like when as, people are planning crimes, don't they turn the volume up really loud? Right. As soon as so as soon as like the appointment ends, Jeff runs out to try to like figure out, you know, the the layout here, and he realizes that the person in the office next door is a person named Doctor Velchek, who's a you know is a doctor here, who is also a close friend of Mister Takahashi, yeah. and it, Jeff, seemingly Takahashi's only ally in the club. And Jeff now is very concerned that Valchek is going to out him as disgruntled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we go over to Larry's where Jeff is filling them in on this whole uh, Valchek conundrum. And Larry has what's actually like a very clever idea. He's like, well, listen, we don't even know how like the sound travels here, how easy is it here? Like, let's have Leon go see Dr. Valchek for an appointment. And then I'll schedule a therapy session for the same time, which isn't really even necessary. There just needs to be a therapy session at the same time. But I guess you want to well, make no, they, sure. they want to be each on each side of the wall to see what you can hear on each side. Right. But like it doesn't, have, about... it doesn't have to be Larry. It could be any any appointment could be going on. Sure. But I, yeah. But yeah. But you guess right. You want to make sure that there's an appointment. Yeah. Um, Although, like with doctors, also Larry's can you talk at different volumes. You don't know how loud, like, like Larry, like, talk. They could both, like it's that's interesting. Though, like, how do you schedule the timing if you want to make sure that Leon will be in that room? Let's say Larry wants to schedule a you know a two o'clock appointment with uh, with Melanie. Yeah. What time do you make the appointment with Doctor Valchak? To make well, he, sure be, be, that because, that because therapy schedule, schedules right. are usually more on they, time, whereas doctor's on, offices will honor, sit there and wait. Right. Yeah, two o'clock appointment will be there honors until three. The appointment. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, you have to like set, set schedules Leon's for like one thirty, I think. Probably. Yeah. And hope that like in that hour they're only running half an hour late. Yeah. Right. You're so, you get in at some point, and then like it could be a disaster if he's like, oh, the doctor will see you immediately. You're yeah. like, fuck. <laughs> and then he has to make up an excuse. But anyway. Yeah. Um, well, hold on a second. So, may, have I told you the story about when I was trying to make the the my uh, my pings my ping excuse with the doctor on YU? I don't think so. Okay, so when I went to the high school that we went to together, you lived at home and uh, drove back and forth through home every day. <laughs> yes, like like, 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 like most people go to high school. Yeah, like most people go to high school. <laughs> uh, I lived in a dorm on a college campus, um, and so I had no parental people around me. So, like, if you did not want to go to school one day because you thought that you were sick. Not, you know, I mean, you would say to your parents, hey, I don't feel well. You know, I have a cold or whatever. And you would right. stay home. Yeah, that, um, that's, and, that's really all I had to do. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm going to stay home today, I think. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I was not in that position because I didn't have a parent there. So if I didn't want to go to school, I had to go to a the doctor. There was a doctor, which I'm sure even though you went to YU, you never knew. Did you know there was a doctor on the first floor of Ruben Hall? <laughs> no, because why no, would I ever you, go to that doctor? Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I lived in I lived in New York. Yeah. So there was a there was a doctor on the first floor of Reuben Hall, and you would have to go there, and he would have to check you, and then he would have to give you a, if you were validly sick or not, then he would decide um, if you could not go to school, and so you couldn't just say oh, I don't feel well because you know we would take your temperature or whatever, and if it wasn't valid enough, uh, you could you would you would not have an excused absence from school. But I, of course, occasionally didn't want to go to school and didn't want to have to face the consequences of that. So well, I would have that. to go. 
so I would have to go in there and I'd have to come up with different stories. But because like I was going in there, like, you know, it didn't just happen once, let's just say. So he knew me a little bit. So I had to come up with new stories. So I go in there one day and I say to him, um, I'm peeing too frequently. I was waking up all night. And I was peeing like every 20 minutes all night, which was not true. But I just had to come up with something. And I was like, that's what I came up with. And this doctor was like. I feel like uh, not exactly the 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 highest uh, like most prestigious gig in the doctor world to be well, the doctor. Of, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this guy was like kind of the nebuch of the doctor world, but here he was really excited because he felt like he was going to really crack a case wide open. So he said that I had to pee in a cup, and unfortunately, Av, I cannot pee in a cup on demand. Unlike Larry David, you can't pee in um, a cup. We certainly can't pee in a bottle. We yes. Oh yes. Or, or, or so, <laughs> yes. And I can't pee in a bowl uh, like Leon either. Apparently. So, anyways, so I tried to pee and I couldn't pee or whatever. I finally peed, and I, I pee for this doctor, and I give him my urine, and then he sits me down. And he says to me, has anybody been touching me without my consent? And basically, he had decided that my urinary problems were all a result of sexual assault that was taking place in my dorm, which, for the record, was not true um, in any in any way whatsoever. There was no evidence of it except that this guy, I feel, was, like, bored. Or as I become older, I, I then started to realize, like, not at the time, but years later remembering the story, I think that he might have been fucking with me because, like, he knew I was fucking with him and he was going to call my bluff. He's like, well, then, like, let, like you know, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Because the whole thing was insane. And then he wouldn't believe that I was not telling the truth. And then he said, well, were things going on consensually in the dorms, which, again, they were not. Um, anyway, the whole thing was completely insane. This 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 weird doctor basically accused me of being involved in some kind of sex ring in the dorm because I made up a lie. And, again, I think he was much like in Seinfeld with, with, uh, with, with the two solariums out on uh, in the Hamptons. I think he was trying to get me to admit that I lied, that there was nothing wrong with my urine. I had no reason to not go to school. But I was like just dug down deeper and deeper in the slide. I don't remember how I don't remember how it ended. I I, I don't know if I ended up having to go to school. But he's um, right. He's, he's like, well, I obviously now we're gonna need to, you know, you're gonna go to many hours of therapy and yeah. like, programs. You're like, no, no, I'll go to school, I'll go to school. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so the bottom line is I can't really pee in a cup. Yeah. Um, and Leon's always in, he just needs to know what a urologist is. Yeah. When um when I was in, uh, I did. I spent a couple of summers in uh, in Israel at a program called NCSY Kolel, mm. um, where, where there actually was one teacher who later on <laughs> turned out to be uh, committing yeah. sexual assault. Not great. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and um, they they had a very uh, clever policy. So basically, the day was split in two. Where like the morning was all like very like religious stuff and like learning and praying and all that sort of stuff, and then the afternoon was all like, playing sports. Yeah, um, but like you know that of all the other camps had the playing sports stuff the whole day. Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah, it's, yeah. It was it's, a very bad choice of a place to go. Well, listen, whatever it is, what you know, you, yeah. you you come from a certain time time and place, and that's where you end up. Yeah, but like uh, half our class was going on like you know like uh, Macha, which was much better. Um, no, I like this better. I like just like being in like a camp where you played sports more than like be on a bus all of that. Um, oh, traveling, you're saying? Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. but there was there was a basketball camp also that um in Israel over the summer that people went. All to. right, whatever. Anyway, um. Yeah. Anyway, so they had a very. Don't depend on um, my cola. It was not. A yeah, good they, they. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. I had fun. I. I so basically, well, so your like, friends were there. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I and I often blew off large portions of the morning portion. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Let's and, and, and participated <laughs> in the afternoon portion of the day. Yes. But like there was there were certain parts of the morning that like you couldn't get away with doing like they like they were much more strict about it, and like they made it clear that those were like the things you had to do like you know like whatever the prayers and like a certain like you know program that you had to go to whatever i'm going to the details but they had basically they basically would frame it as a policy that like if you miss those programs it's like we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt because like the only way that you would like miss such an important part of the program here is if you were sick 
And obviously, if you're sick, like, you can't participate in the afternoon sports leagues and stuff. So, like, we're just going to, like, rule you out of those. We'll put you on the injured list. Like, obviously, you were sick. There's no way you would miss prayers if you weren't sick. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, we just want to make sure that, like, no one casts any aspersions on you that you would, like, voluntarily skip, um, you know, like, the morning prayer service. Of course. Um, So, like, obviously, like, you know, rest up. Tomorrow's a new day. Your team will get you back tomorrow. Um, so that was clever the way they did that. Um, so where are we? We're we're very far into this, and we're very little into this episode, into the storyline. Uh, I don't know why this one went particularly astray, but um, <laughs> here anyway, we are. Yeah. So yeah, it's Larry, Leon, and Jeff talking, and and Leon saying that he loves peeing in bowls, which makes no <laughs> fucking sense. Absolutely killed me. Yeah. Uh, right. What are these scenarios where he's peeing in bowls? I don't really know. I'm not sure yeah. I want to know. Yeah. Um, he's like, listen, I'd rather I, pee in a bowl than actually, I don't know. Cause the bowl, you're getting the splashback also. Right. It's also great when he's like, he's like, I will absolutely go to the urologist for you. I just have one question. Yes. What's, yes. A, what's a urologist? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he'll, he, he prefers bowls, but he'll do a cup if that's what is called for. Yes. Just not a bottle. Oh, now we're having lunch with. Uh, Wait, hold on, the, the, we, yeah. and then and then he tells us that he wishes he could have corn chips on the cob. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah. Now corn I've actually created. Have you ever done popcorn on the cob before? No. What is that? So How does that work? It, it's. I forget the kind of corn you need. It's not like the regular like yellow corn that you, obviously, but because you put those in the microwave, they just get hot. But there is a kind of mic. There is a kind of popcorn you can, uh, kind of corn you can get like on the cob corn. They're like drier and older. We put it in the microwave, and then the pieces pop, and then you're basically eating like popcorn off the cob, which is kind of fun. So I do think, having done that before, I do kind of see what Leon's going for here with corn chips on the cup. Um, yeah, they're like so, crispy and fun. I, I love what talking cor- about. I love no, yeah, <laughs> I, I love corn on the cob. Um, but I Gets also your teeth. Very but much. I also like just corn, like the, like when it's like already cut off the cob. So like, but, I but it has to cob. be like, but it ha- no, but it has to be like the barbecue. You don't want like canned corn. Canned corn is no good. I mean, I like canned corn too. Obviously, not as much as you know yeah. barbecued corn. Um, but like if somebody would like cut all the corn off the cob, I think I would prefer that. Oh yeah. No, that's the best way. Yes. You put the, yes, I agree with you. You take the corn on the cob, you grill it, but then you take it off. Someone cuts it. Yes. You cut off because when you bite it off the cob, you get the strings in your teeth and your, your, and there is something about eating it off the cob that is enjoyable and like feels like just like visceral in a way that you're just like biting into the cob that way. Yeah. Um. But ultimately, yeah. Like, if you, if I could just like have all like the corn niblets in a bowl, deliciously grilled, I prefer that. Yes. No. That is the best of both worlds. Uh, yeah. That was actually invented by a Cliff Cobb's grandfather. <laughs> Cliff Cobb's uncle, I think, actually. Yeah. Oh, yes. Who's the uncle? Yes. <laughs> Though that's a different, differently spelled Cobb. Yeah. Well, they dropped one of the bees. You know. They changed their name at Ellis Island from yeah. Cobb <laughs> with two bees to Cobb with one bee. Yeah. Um. Somebody I know named Schwartz married someone named Schwartz. But they spelled it one letter different and um, and changed their name. And I was like, isn't that weird for you? Because for like the first 25 years of your life, you always had to say to people, my name is Schwartz without the T. And now all of a sudden you just say my name is Schwartz. <laughs> she, she, she did not appreciate that observation. <laughs> um, as, much as, yeah. as much as I thought she would. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she thought maybe She'd she thought the opposite. So many times. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she thought the opposite was more normal. I think she should have hyphen her name, be Schwartz Schwartz. Short shorts. One with a T. <laughs> That's one T, one no T. <laughs> Good one. Um, so 
now we're uh, back at the course. The, sorry, the club. At the club. I keep saying the course when we're just in the in the, in the yeah, yeah. dining room. It's actually room. interesting because last episode we were outside. This episode we're only inside the club. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lowry, maybe Lowry's banned from the course. He's not allowed to steal <laughs> tips anymore, but he can yeah. still he can still eat. <laughs> so there, um, Melanie's like, wait, so it's like you were you like on Seinfeld, but then you came back from the finale. So like. We're getting, I think, even increasingly more vibes that, like, there is going to be some sort of finale. Well, have we discussed on this podcast what John Gormley shared in the chat? The the clip of, like, Jerry saying something, that one? Yeah, yeah. So Jerry said in October of 2023, October 7th, actually, 2023. Really? uh, uh, Yeah, that was the day that John said of that performance. Uh Uh-huh. uh, anyway, that uh, Jerry's on stage and he said made some reference to the finale of of Seinfeld, and then he said that there will be news related to the Seinfeld finale that you will like coming soon. So the fact that it's mentioned here by Melanie cannot just be a coincidence. Do you think that uh, I saw a video? I think it was this week um, of a bunch of people yelling at at Jerry Seinfeld. Oh yes, they're very event. upset about the the finale. The, it's, it's, it's about the yeah. finale comment because like I assume it has to be something specific to Jerry Seinfeld because you wouldn't just like yell at a random person in New York um, yeah. about yeah. something happening across the world because that would be I don't like racist to blame yeah. him. He has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Um, so it must be because of the finale comment. That they decided to accost him on the street. Um, so, yeah. So, Irma, it turns out, has never seen Seinfeld because she she's, does, has never seen any TV or movies, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, never, she's never even seen the Oscars, which uh, Larry thinks is a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and Larry notices that it's 10.50, which means we better get our orders in. Yeah, because breakfast is about to expire. What time do you think they call to meet it for breakfast? Ten thirty. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, because Larry uh, knowing the eleven o'clock rule here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you, they probably should have built in a little bit more of a cushion. Although, actually, yeah. Melanie had said that let's do lunch, so Larry must have countered, "Well, let's do brunch instead." Well, he knows that lunch is a complete disaster. Yeah, exactly. Point. Yeah. Like they make you get like the the parent beet salad way too early. Yeah. Um. He's like everyone like order right away. It's ten fifty. We only have ten minutes. They're gonna cut us off. Um. He gets an omelet. He gives her the eggs, of course. Um. Reminds her that he has some bread that's already in the kitchen. Um. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck is going on here. Just like make your you know, make your own food at this point. But yeah. um. Irma feels very rushed. She's like, I'm not ready to order. I need to think. I need to look at the menu. I do feel I do agree that it's very annoying to be rushed to order. I also will get very um just like overwhelmed and frazzled if I haven't decided yet what I want to order and it becomes time to order. Yeah. So I, I feel for Irma here. Um, it, was, it was almost confusing to me. As like, was Irma aware of what pancakes are? Because she seemed, <laughs> which which I know sounds insane, but I have an insane story for you. My uh, my my uncle Roy, my mom's brother, yeah, my, my mom my mom's brother, and my mom's family, especially the, the the men in her family, are really they're all sort of like uh, on the spectrum a little bit. I would say like academically very very brilliant, but like uh, socially not always all the way there. Um, and so okay. I was I was once out to brunch. With uh, with my cousin and with his father, my uncle, my uncle Roy, and he was looking at the menu and he got very frazzled like Irma, and he saw that they had French toast. And so he said, "Okay, I'll have the French toast." And um, they brought him French toast, 
And I can tell you it was the same French toast that I'm very familiar with. Ah, it was uh, the bread and the eggs. And then, you know, it had the, the powdered sugar on it. Was it, it was sugar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, like, so it looked delicious? Yeah, it looked delicious. And he looked at it and he was very confused. And he's like, this isn't French toast. And myself and everyone else at the table, including his own <laughs> son, my cousin, were like, he's like, Dad, yeah, this is like, this is French toast. No, it's not. Your mother made me French toast all the time. And this is not French toast. And to just cut to the end of the story, <laughs> apparently 40 years ago or whatever, my uncle had heard of French toast and said to his wife, oh, I'd love some French toast. And so she toasted some bread, put some butter on it and told them this is French toast And for his entire <laughs> life. Because he was like 80 years old. For his entire life, he had thought the French toast was just toast with butter. That's French toast. That's how the French do it. They put butter on it. <laughs> put butter. They discovered butter. And, and, okay. he disco- and he discovered what French toast actually was. And he didn't really believe it. He was like very skeptical of all this. He's like, oh, there's a restaurant. It's all fancy. Like, <laughs> Like, no, this, like, is, this is what it is. It was like this a is... no-soap radio joke. You're all in on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, anyways, the point is, maybe it's possible that because uh, Irma gets her her pancakes, so she's it's. I do right. I do. Ready. I do, yeah, I do, I do she... over here. Right. Like there, no one. There's nothing to suggest that these are unusually bad pancakes. Yeah. They're just pancakes. I mean, like, everything at this restaurant seems pretty bad. No, but Hobie seems to very much enjoy the pancakes when he gets them. Like, he's eager to get the pancakes. Oh, yeah. So much so that Larry will later accuse him of having wanted the pancakes all along. Right. So there's no reason to think there's something wrong with these pancakes. And visually, they must have been appealing. Yes. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she freaks out. Would you would you uh, trade meals that was – like, would you trade uh, – if you had one of these exact meals, pancakes are already cut into with the fork and knife of a person who, you, who you've never met before, who you worked with their, their partner, like – 20 years ago would you trade meals with them so we i, I have a story because we were we once went to a pizza place and we my oh sorry not not a pizza place it was a burger place i apologize mm. um and we all ordered like it was like you know they had like you know different different styles of burgers like you can get like what one with the egg you can get like a guacamole burger you can get like you know like a like a southern burger with like chili on it like whatever like different all different styles of burgers with toppings or whatever um and I think every like everybody got like one type of burger. I think everyone got like the like the breakfast burger with the egg. Mm. Um, a fried like, egg is always great on a burger, by the way. Yeah, oh, it's delicious. Except like my wife got, I think maybe a turkey burger, and Oof, then terrible was, decision. Like, yeah, you should, whatever. Don't don't get me started. We have this fight all the time. Because um, she she won't she won't claim that she's only doing it for health reasons. She claims that it's better, and that, no, that, that makes no. me very upset. It tastes better. No, that, that's that, false. that's what she, that's what she claims, right? Yeah. So, and I say it's false, and she says that that's an opinion, and I say it's not an opinion. <laughs> it's not I, said, opinion. I, would, I said I would respect you if you said obviously a hamburger tastes better, but it's but a turkey burger is healthier, and I'm of making course. a healthy choice. That's fine. That's that's rational. But right. to claim that the turkey burger tastes no, more you're delicious, lying. you're lying. Right. <laughs> Correct. Makes yeah. me very upset. Um, anyway, so I think she got it. Uh, I think she got the turkey burger, and then somebody else got like the guacamole burger. Also, by the way, guacamole is like one of my top two or three condiments on a burger. Yeah, no, it's 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 good. Yeah. Um. So, if you, uh, if you could only have one condiment on your burger, what are you going with? Um, like you have you have a bun, a piece yeah. of meat, and you get one other item. I only get one. Yeah. So like, like we're doing a draft right now. Con- draft. Oh, but like that doesn't include toppings, though. No, it's topping anything, vegetable, oh, anything. whatever you want, a pickle, whatever you want. So if it's a good burger, then I would choose like grilled onions. Okay, if that's it's not like, bad. If it's like not a good burger, I would choose ketchup. No, so I I I, I will throw out a hamburger that has ketchup on it, and I don't throw out any food. <laughs> so, because um, I think so a good I, a good burger doesn't need ketchup. Like it's inherently yeah, juicy enough. No burger. And then ketchup, especially if you have like good onions, like that also yeah. has like some moisture and like sauciness to it that like yeah. can supplement the ketchup. Like I want a little bit. I I don't want like a completely dry burger. 
Yeah, well, I, my number one pick is guacamole for that reason, because it's covering all the bases, because it's both a condiment and it's kind of a vegetable, right? You're getting, like, the flavor, you're getting the texture, so guacamole is my number one pick for sure. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say mustard is number two. Yeah, so I'm making a mistake. It wasn't a guacamole burger, because I think that would have mm-hmm. been more obvious. I think it was, like, a mushroom burger. Like, it was, like, it had mushrooms in it. Yeah, okay. Um, so she brings all this. Everyone gets her breakfast burger. She gets everyone her burgers, and then I believe what then what happens is, is my wife bites into her burger— to discover that there are mushrooms in it. And she's like, oh, this is not mine. This is yours. And he looked like he looks at his. He's like, oh, this is a turkey burger. Like, did the waiter put them down in front of the wrong people? Yes. Okay. So we call over the waiter and we're like, hey, like she like she bit into this burger. It's a it's a it has mushrooms in it. This was supposed to be his. Like you mixed it up. And she's like, oh, no problem. And she takes the two plates <laughs> and she switches them and says, Okay, <laughs> and we're like, no, not okay. <laughs> like that's not how that works. Yeah. Like she took a bite of, of that already. Yeah. I mean, at least you're at the same table, and maybe she thought, but still, of course not. No. But I've been at restaurants before where they brought the wrong food, and then I've said this is not mine, and then they pick it up and take it to another table, and I'm like, you can't do that. Once it's on my table. Yeah. Like, cause you don't know, you don't know what I, if I licked it first before I called you over. Like I didn't. <laughs> Right, you don't have chain, you don't have chain of custody. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. So she like what that and what what was even worse then is like she was like so embarrassed and like I think she obviously realized that like what she suggested was insane. Oh okay. Um, that like she then just like ignored our table for the rest of the meal. But did she bring the new burgers at least? She had like somebody else bring it, but like we oh, had basically oh. didn't oh, have was, like we oh, basically didn't have a wait. We basically didn't have a waiter for the rest of the meal. So she I figured she... my tip is ruined. I'm just going to bail. No, but then it was like, it was just like a set tip, like I said before. And oh. I was like, this is outrageous. Like, I don't think we should tip. And then I got yelled at. I was told like that, like, I'm an asshole. They're like, I'm not pitching. I'm like, no, like, she, like, it's fine. Like, I'm not saying, like, she didn't work. She didn't, t- she didn't wait at our table. She ignored our table for the last two thirds of the meal. Like, why is she feel bad? Like, why am I giving you money? You didn't do anything. Yeah. Practically speaking, uh, by the way, other than someone... fuck off the order. If someone else, if, so, if someone's at my house and they don't finish a burger, I'll take it in the kitchen and then I'll t- cut with a knife, like the edge where they bit, so that I can eat the rest <laughs> of it without. Because I'm not going to share their germs directly, but uh, yeah, you know. no, I mean you gotta eat the burger. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna waste the burger unless it has ketchup on it. No, yeah. burgers are the best. Um, so yeah, so we um we got a toast to Irma and her 15 weeks of sobriety. Yeah, I already complained um, about this. Yeah, nine weeks to go. Not nine weeks, Larry. Yeah, you got, you so got, yeah, you got about uh, eleven to twelve. We hear that Ormo's rock bottom was when she walked <laughs> naked into the city council chamber. Yes, and uh, she, apparently she like the feeling of the air on her nipples. Yeah, very memorable. Looks of admiration and horror. She said, yeah. uh, "I can tell you off that when I enter my hot tub naked, um, all I remember is the feeling of the air on my nipples and occasionally the looks of admiration and horror from my neighbors." So. <laughs> Um, okay, so we got Melanie's first uh, indiscretion. Oh, my God. Which is that, like, Larry is talking about how he's, like, you know, really improved his golf game, presumably because of the... Uh, Horizontal tug, baby. That's right. Yeah. Um, and Melanie's like, yeah, that's why they call him Long Ball Larry. Am I right? I literally did a spit take <laughs> during my first viewing of this episode Sunday night. Like, what the actual fuck? I, little did I know how much worse she was about to become. But, like, I was so shocked that she would say that. Like, that's insane. Did you not? 
did you not expect as soon as like they set up that like oh you mean I know you and it's I'm gonna keep this confidential. Of course that's something's gonna happen, but I didn't think like five minutes into the social gathering she's gonna make reference to things <laughs> right. that were said at the therapy session. Just like, like drop references, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As Larry I, said, um, Larry, I just saw Larry being interviewed on um, maybe no, most of the MS everything, maybe it was something else, and he said he's like. The Larry character is almost, which is, of course, what I say on this podcast. He's like, 99% of the time, he's right. He's the one on the right in this show. Like, everyone's yelling at him. He didn't do anything wrong. And, yeah, um, yeah Melanie here is completely insane. Yeah. Um, so not only are Irma's pancakes not good because they're pancakes, um, Larry's eggs are not good because they're not his eggs. They don't taste organic. Um, now, the, the problem with this is Larry says he knows his eggs. But apparently he doesn't because, as we'll learn later, the chef has never been using his eggs. <laughs> and he's never noticed previously. <laughs> well, that, that tracks. So um, when Mr. Takahashi says that eggs are eggs, I think, actually, for Larry, they are. Yeah, I, I think eggs are eggs. I, I think um, it's Larry's paranoia here that is leading him to think that these eggs aren't his eggs, which he's correct about, but it's been that case all along. Yeah. At, um, I, I, I go to a restaurant sometimes where they serve uh, – Cage-free eggs. They they, mm. they advertise them as cage-free, which I don't care for because I think the the, the cages makes the eggs slightly more delicious. Um, <laughs> and I would I would like to make that trade. <laughs> I would like the chickens to be in cages so that yeah, I can. They have should be in more pain. More, yes, yeah, exactly. Just like it's like it's like not even one percent. It's a little bit less than one percent more delicious. <laughs> you can um, taste the suffering. You can taste the suffering a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's delightful. Um, yeah, so Larry accuses the waitress of having a breakfast grudge. Mm. She's I think, I think he was trying breakfast grudge to make that like a slogan. That, yeah, 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 but I don't even know what that means. Yeah, it's like it doesn't like that doesn't have to really have an application. But yeah, the context would be more specific. Yeah. Um, what about breakfast loophole? Breakfast loophole I like. Breakfast yeah. loophole I like. That resonated. The the it's more of like a general like ordering loophole, but like yeah. I, I like it with the breakfast because like I think like break like the, the cutoff for breakfast is a thing, so like I could see how yeah. you would like try to get around that. Yeah. Um with like the lunch menu. But um yeah, I mean like most restaurants these days, like they'll really make you whatever you want within reason that I go to. Yeah. yeah. because they're there to make money and make you happy. And so like they cool. have all the ingredients anyway. <laughs> like it's like it doesn't matter. Um so Larry, um, when, you know, this whole thing like bursts up and Larry marches across the dining room, he sees Willie there and he tells him, I have a story for you. You're, you're going to like this. And he, he, uh, he pulls him into the kitchen where Larry starts to interrogate the chef. He wants to know all about this 11 o'clock breakfast rule, um, which yeah. guy, well, hold on Actually, before we get there, can I ask? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, well, so Takahashi also, you know, he we he ha we have the interaction between him and Larry again. Um, this right. that's, the, that's the eggs are eggs. Yeah. Um, where yeah, he, he I, tells I, him no more bringing your own stuff. Yeah. Right. Very. Um, um, uh, but I I really like how they like the, like the syrup the, at the at monks. I like I like how they do the aggressive looking thing with their like their fingers, you know, the pointing thing back and forth to each other. That I like mm -hmm. that one a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so Larry approaches Willie Geist who's talking to Nora, and as he approaches, he's asking Nora about the physical structure of the club. Like, what the hell is this piece about Larry at Atlanta? Like, 
What, what is what is going on here? What, 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 why is Willie guys getting so dragged out into these details here? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, I just kind of decided there's like Willie guys in this episode doesn't really make sense. It's just like silly and fun, and I'm gonna go with yeah. it. Well, I think uh, it does make sense. It's just the story. The story started with being about Larry the Hero in Atlanta, but now it's turned into you know what is going yeah. on in this golf club. Except well, like there's what no people way that really Willie want got... to know nationally is the inner right. details of this exactly. golf club they don't belong. To. That, that's why it obviously just like it doesn't make any sense at all. They're like Willie, like, even if there was like a big story here like it's just like willie guys wouldn't give a shit um obviously he's only interested to the extent that it has like you know national implications but that's why i'm just like this doesn't make any sense but it's like funny that he's like this is what the, what he wants to chase down as a rabbit hole um Bob, and i'm just going to the eggs of a man as rich and powerful as larry david in his golf club they can do it to your eggs they can do it to my eggs <clears> they can do it to everyone's right. eggs yeah and um as they said in the that's in larry's the, position anyway earlier this week eggs are not eggs some eggs are worth 40 eggs Especially a new egg. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the kitchen. Yeah. So the guy's like, first of all, like this whole like 11 o'clock breakfast thing, like it actually like really fucks up our processes here when you order breakfast after 11 o'clock, which like, I guess I could kind of respect. It's like, listen, like you may not like it, but like we made a rule and like, this is like how we're operating. And like, if you want to mess with that, it's just going to like, it's just going to mess with us. So just like, well, we'll stop operating that way though. I, I, I suppose, but it's like, once it's the rule, just like, don't be a dick about it. Just like honor the rule. Yeah, this is Colton Dunn, by the way, is the chef from a uh, from a uh, Superstore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that. Yeah, um, I never watched Superstore, or maybe I yeah. watched one episode and didn't care for it, and then neither it. neither I. But uh, but yeah. that's that's who he is anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he sees two eggs on the counter and two brown eggs, and he's like, "These must be my eggs." Like, why? Because uh, yeah, generally, I feel like most kitchens they're not they're using like the regular white eggs. I I don't even know what the I guess the brown eggs are. Those are always organic. No, I, I don't think they're. Um, we get brown eggs. Yeah, I only like white. I'm a I'm a white egg supremacist. I think I think. <laughs> uh oh. I I think the brown eggs have like this perception of being better, but I always just get whatever's the cheapest eggs. Like I always like start doing the math of okay, it's this per dozen, so I that And then, um, but sometimes the brown ones are cheaper, so I get the brown ones. Not always yeah. though. Yeah, I say don't. Yeah, don't listen, kids. Eggs are white. Don't worry. Yeah. I, I like my, my I like my eggs white. Um, I mean, I do like to get the egg white when I get the, the, uh, omelet. Cause that's, that's how I feel oh. like I'm being healthy. I'm no, like, okay, egg so this is what I'm going to do. Egg white omelet is disgusting. I'm getting an egg white omelet. Also I'm like, like you know, regular omelets are also like very healthy. Like they like, fine. They have cholesterol, but like, yeah. if that's like the worst thing you're doing, you're fine. Well, this is what I'm saying. I'm getting an egg white omelet, but then I want you to see every single cheese you have here for a thousand pounds of this cheese on the omelet, but it's egg right. white. So that way it's okay. Right. Right. And also I'll have some pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so did you see a sheen on Larry's egg off? I, I'm, I'm not team Larry here. I think these were all the same egg. I did not see, I did not notice any. Well, he's nuance. right. No, they are, they always are his eggs because the chef is saving them to eat himself as we'll discover at the end of the episode. Right. But meaning I did, I did not notice any difference between the caramel color and the almond sheen. Oh, I thought there was, I thought they were slightly different color. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, perhaps. Um, I mean, I, I thought in terms of like the, the props they're using, I thought they were supposed to be, but you know, it was, it was subtle. Now, Av, do you think that Willie really gets his haircut at Supercuts like he claims? No, he for sure gets a very expensive haircut. Yeah. I, I can tell I get my haircut at Supercuts and it ain't $21 anymore. And no. that's how I know. Thanks, that Biden. Willie, that's how I know that Willie does not get his haircut at Supercuts. And Willie, last time he was there was probably like many, many years ago, it was $21. So he's lying. And he's trying to discover who the liar is here. He's actually lying himself to try and sound like a common man. Oh, I get my hair. He's disgruntled. Exactly. Um, but then I also like, of course, when Larry's like, I can make an egg. And then the chef says, then why did you come in here? 
That's an excellent question. Why is Lester? Right. Why are you supplying all the ingredients at this restaurant and paying probably way too much money? You're probably, he's probably paying like $18 for an omelet where he supplied yeah. the ingredients. Yeah. I, I mentioned before how like Jake Tapper is my favorite of, of these like uh, cable news guys. There, there's something very tappery about all of um, Willie Geist's line deliveries in this episode, I feel like, which maybe Willie Geist is always like that. Maybe I should like him also. I don't know. I've never oh, seen him before. But, um, but but I just like his sort of like his uh, like like he's like, what's a stray egg? I, I really like his line delivery throughout this episode. Yeah. All right. Um. So, yeah, the basically – they get kicked out of the kitchen. Yes. Um, Larry's like going on and on about how like you're about to be exposed. There's a big story. Meanwhile, Willie Geist is like in, like motioning in the back of the system. He's, yeah. like, he's like, don't worry. There's no, no, no story. We won't be back. <laughs> this yeah. is bullshit. Like, you're fine. Um, so we're back at the therapist's office where Irma well, is very thankful to Melanie. Um, she really appreciates that Hobie had, you know, did the whole thing with the with the plates. Yeah. Again, uh, why are they discussing this? We've uh, crossed our lines again here. Yeah. No. Right. Right. Right from the start. Right. Like, like never the twain shall meet. Yeah. To be the policy. If we're if we're gonna do this, like, there needs to be like a very strict Chinese wall. Yeah. Um. Irma's also like equally to blame here. Like, she's like happy. Like, she also like she like immediately acquiesces to like the lunch. Like without yeah, asking. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. She's like but, she's like talking social in in their sessions here. Yeah, but M- Melanie's second session performance is really like one for the ages. Like, I also like when she's defending her husband. She says he was a gentleman. It reminds me of the, uh, you know, the um, the Girl Scouts who come to Larry's door, in um, right when he, pay- he went to pay for the cookies from the daughter of the Dodgers owner in the season seven premiere. Be a gentleman. It was a uh, s- similar uh, vibes for me. Um, yeah. So so this is all going on here, and then across um, across the wall, of course, we have Leon meeting uh, Doctor Valchek. Oh yeah, I forgot about Leon. So yeah. Leon is next door. Yeah, um, he, he explains that he he's so lazy that, yeah. that that whilst engaged in coitus, he will pee into the condom. <laughs> I, I don't want to delve into like, well, maybe I do want to like the whole biological function here, but like, right, like if if you're gonna, you can't really urinate during certain <laughs> stages of events, right? I mean, Leon is capable of things that us mere mortals, I think, are not, I suppose can't, so. can't even contemplate. But what he's describing is essentially like a penis diaper. It's kind of gross. Yeah, first of all, like, I feel like the like it's very unlikely that you would have to pee so badly that... That's what I'm saying, you can't really pee while, you know... No, but fine, but it's like, you have to go, but like, then the amount of pee that's going to come out... Is like not gonna fit into the condom, probably, right? Like yeah. that condom is like overflowing very quickly, I think, and making a very big mess that's very yes, unpleasant for, for sure. everybody involved. Yeah. So like, I don't think you're like, what the, the the situation he describes of I pee in the condom, I tie it up, I yeah. throw it out, and continue fucking. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's not in the cards for him because I feel like this person, this other person, is gonna get covered in urine. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, the other person is Donald Trump, and he's into it. Yeah, maybe they're into it. Yeah. Now, how, how, safe, how, it. Sa- how safe a space are we enough? Very safe space. There's, right, no, there's, there's very few people well, listening to this. You'll tell me if I have to edit this out or not. But uh, it really, you're, you're, so sometimes nothing should be edited out. Sometimes when I'm in bed, apparently, <laughs> and have to pee, yeah. I will try to initiate coitus uh-huh. because once you get into that state, then instead of peeing, other things happen, and then you yeah. don't have to pee. The need to urinate dissipates. The need. I mean, there's a need to. Uh, Something else happened instead, which uh, sort of. But then, yeah, but, but that, 
but then don't you still need to go like pee like that like it it goes it goes away like it's gone for the night yeah the release of the other release like you know but presumably there's still urine in your bladder that needs to come out I mean, well, the other thing I do sometimes is, is uh, you know, especially if, if that was not in the cards, I'll just convince myself to go to sleep because at this stage of my life, when you're like seven years old, you obviously don't go to sleep with a full bladder because then you're going to wet your bed. But at this stage of my life, I'm confident I won't. So sometimes if I really have to pee and I'm really lazy, I'll just like just fall asleep before you pee. Yeah. The real answer, of course, is that after after the coitus, you have to go to the bathroom because having sex is a tremendous mess. So then you have to go, you know, then you just pee once you're there. Yeah, but then you're doing it anyways. But that, make it <laughs> worthwhile, though. Make the trip to the bathroom worthwhile. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, so, so of course we discover that the walls are unfortunately very thin and Leon discovers what happens when you go to a urologist. Um, yeah. When you go to a urologist, they don't just uh, examine the front portion. They also go through in, in through the, um, the back portion. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, he gets to understand what a prostate exam here is. Yeah. And we, through the door, hear Leon yelling, motherfucker. <laughs> he, he accuses of Elchek of not being a piss doctor, but rather being an ass doctor. Yeah. Million to one shot, Doc. Million to one. So I have, uh, I have not yet had the privilege of uh, having this exam, thankfully. I, wait, you've never had your prostate checked? I've never had my prostate. Oh, because I mentioned this once in a group chat, and everybody was like horrified. Oh, how's that possible? It's so unhealthy. I'm not the only one. Okay. I don't believe uh, so. Yeah. Um, what, what, is there an age you're supposed to do that at? I have no idea. I mean, uh, I've gone to different doctors over the years. None of them have uh, inserted yeah. anything into my asshole. Mm. So. All right. I still avoid that. I know you're supposed to go for a colonoscopy when you're 50. Which also involves. Um, I think it's 50. Oh, maybe it's early frosting Nazi juice. Which also <laughs> involves. Uh, penetration of the asshole yeah um yeah and also you're on drugs also you have to drink this drink that apparently is very bad yeah that's that's the unpleasant part <laughs> yeah um right you're 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 knocked out for the, the penetration of the asshole part no i've had a colonoscopy before um the drinking stuff and going to the bathroom the day before that part's very unpleasant the thing itself they give you propofol like the, very pleasant. Killed, the stuff that killed <laughs> michael jackson yeah and I, when i came out of it i was like I now know exactly why Michael Jackson got into that. Super dangerous. I woke up. I had been asleep for like maybe 45 minutes, and it was more rested than I ever been in my life. I, you could have told wow. me I was asleep for a month. It was like incredible. Yeah. Very good drug. Don't do Harris, it. Don't uh, do drugs, guys. But yeah. Harris <laughs> Whittles, when he was alive, um, I heard him on a podcast say that the first time that he did heroin, he injected the heroin into his body, and then approximately one second later said, oh, I guess I'm going to do heroin now. Yeah. Um, he then died from heroin overdose. Yeah, so unfortunately. So you know, yeah. it was fun, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah. So save your propofol for your um. See see it as a as a as a nice side side positive for the uh, colonoscopy. Yeah. So we have our interview back at Larry's house, mm. and Larry is just being like full Larry here, right? Like well, can't, so that's can't stay in, on topic. In the world of the show, we're yeah. in the world of Curb. Why is Larry talking about strawberries and all this random shit? Because like, he doesn't, because because this, this is how he talks. Okay, I think right. Yeah, this he's is like yeah. He's like he, a big like, fan of the poisonberry. <laughs> I I don't know what a poisonberry is. I've he never seen a poisonberry. I've definitely but it comes up in Seinfeld all the time. Yeah, and 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 now of course here we have the poisonberry. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean it's a very funny name. Um, it looks. I'm looking at it. It looks. It's like it looks kind of like a raspberry, really. Um, it's a cross between the European raspberry. 
the European black. Oh yeah, it really looks more like a blackberry than a raspberry. In my in my head, I was gonna say I would guess it's like a reddish blackberry, but I have no idea what it is. Yeah, it's like pur- It looks like it's like purple, so it's kind of like a cross between a blackberry and a and a raspberry. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it could be good. I bet it's not good because if it was good, <laughs> we would have it a lot. You know, it's not good. Blackberries are not good. Oh, I love blackberries. No, I like I like visually blackberries because it makes me feel like a giant eating grapes. <laughs> but <laughs> that means. If you look at a blackberry, it looks like a bunch of grapes. Oh, I see. But in miniature, but like a but a raspberry is kind of like that too. No, raspberry and blackberry very similar texture. No, the raspberries are furry. Yeah, I guess you're right. The fun part of the raspberries, right? The blackberry are like the little like the little balls, right? The raspberry, you stick your finger in the middle. My kids like to do that, right? Eat them off your fingers. Yeah. So I don't really like like raspberries either. Yeah, so the boysenberry looks like it's more like a blackberry, like it has like the little balls. Yeah. Um. Oh, I love raspberries. Little balls, so it's the opposite of Larry. I um I like I'm a big fan of berries. I love raspberries. I love strawberries. I love blueberries. I like strawberries. Berries. Okay, strawberries are the best of the berries, but strawberries aren't really berries, right? Is that true? Is that true? No, I don't know. Maybe I made that up. Uh, blueberries, I would say, is number two. Those are my only berries I really like. Uh, I'll tolerate a raspberry, but I don't love it. Strawberries are the only fruit that have seeds on the outside. Mm, seeds on the outside. Yeah. That was uh, I was trying to impersonate Jerry when he goes to the fruit guy for Kramer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, so Larry goes all all, all in all on by about um, his cold showers and uh, his ability. Sorry, his ability to take cold showers. He doesn't prefer a cold shower, but if it yes. comes to pass, he can tolerate it. Whereas others would just skip the shower entirely. Um, count count me in the skip enti- the shower entirely camp. Uh, well, cold, but hold on, cold shower is miserable. But you don't usually it, – it's only once you're in the shower, right? It's usually you're in a foreign shower, right, an unfamiliar shower. You get in. You turn the water on. It's not heating up. You're like, okay, whatever. i got to wait 10, 15 seconds. And you're like 30 seconds in, 40 seconds in, 60 seconds in, and you realize it's not heating up. So at that point, you're turning it off and just quitting? Well, so I would never be physically in the shower until I determined that, like, the heat is an appropriate level for me, especially not a foreign shower. Okay, so you're not even entering the because well, like, I'm like doing... I'm standing outside and feeling the water the, the water with my hands for oh. sure. Oh no, I'm in there already. I'm naked. I'm all soaped up. I'm ready to go. Oh, you like, so... love just being naked all the time, just like <laughs> willy nilly for no reason. So like, so, of course, but, but, but what I'm saying is, I will do you're, the like, minimum. You're naked way before the bathroom. Forget about in the shower. <laughs> I will do like the minimum like shower. Like I'll just put my head under to like wash my hair really fast. And like I'll, I'll do like. Like 10 seconds in the water for head, then back out, warm up again. Then another five seconds into like, you know, like wash, like, you know, my chest or whatever. And it's like, but it's very unpleasant. So, yeah, I'm yeah. not with Larry here. Yeah, we we had a situation like uh, last week where our oil delivery didn't come or for whatever, for some reason. Um, and we we didn't have heat or hot water in our house that day. And whole I day. To, like, like I went to take a shower in the morning and I was like, this is terrible. Oh, <laughs> and then yeah. I just like waited for them to come deliver oils, like take a shower. <laughs> Have you ever had in the middle of the shower it goes from hot to cold right away, like dramatically? Um, no, I feel like usually if there's not sufficient hot water, then like it's like even already just like you're like barely lukewarm when you get to like you put it on like the the oh. highest setting and like you know you're fucked. No, that's happened to me a couple times where like our like pilot light blew out and I woke up in the morning. I didn't know that. Obviously, I go in the shower. And you get like 15 seconds of, or 30 seconds or even a minute You would think it would be more than that because like there should still be some like in the yeah. tank. That's you got not... 75, yeah. But but I, whatever. There's some amount of time that it's normal and then all of a sudden it goes from like normal to freezing instant. It's not like it's not like a toilet flush. It's like a permanent switch. Yeah, because once there's no heat yeah. in yeah. the water, it's just – That's how I that, That's yeah. like you're rushing, reaching for the it's water. Just, like, it's just – it's unheated water. <laughs> it's just cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's a natural state. Yeah. Um, 
Right. It's not even cold. It's just not like 99 degrees, which is what we tolerate yeah. for a shower. Like it's like not even cold water. It's just like nothing. And it's very, yeah. Um, so yeah, Larry can't stay on topic. And eventually he's just like, all right, all right, we're done. Um, I just have one more question. Are you disgruntled? And again, Larry vehemently denies it. He has no big D energy, only small D energy. Um, so but he does scowl. He does scowl. Um, and this is when Willie is like, hey, I got to use the bathroom. And like, you know, I'm kind of having some issues. Like, Well, here, this is what he says verbatim because I want to get into this. This okay. is what he says. Okay. He says, between us, I'll spare you the details. But I'm having a little, you know, do you know a good urologist? So what is what is Willie referring to here? You know, like, what is it? Uh, until the final sentence. I assumed it was something for which you might need a gastroenterologist, right? Like, if I really need to use a bathroom, you think they're going to be, uh, you know, painting the uh, – wait, what, what was the term they used that I think you should leave? Um, paint job. Yeah, I, th I thought he's, like, talking about he's going to go do a real paint job. Like, he's like, I'm having a little do – you, do you know a good urologist? Like, like, what is he having a little of? Yeah, I assume some sort of burning when he's peeing. A burning when he's peeing. Yeah, okay. he's having some sort of – like, he has, like, some sort of infection, I have to guess. Okay, all right. Um. By the way, is it tomato a fruit? Larry wants to know. I think tomato is a fruit. Yeah. I've shared Jen's take before, right? That there's not, no such thing as a fruit? I certainly have not shared that before. I'm very uh, curious to know what this means. <laughs> Jen basically says they're all vegetables. Like uh -huh. fruit, fruit and vegetable are not like equivalent classifications or genuses. And by the way, I'm not looking anything up. I'm just telling you what my wife has told me. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like I'm not like, – like, like vegetable is more equivalent to like animal, for example, right? As like a category of item. In all, in other words, all, what, all, all fruits are vegetables. Why? Hold on a second. Well, now I'm, I'm going to look it up. Can we get her on to explain this? Is she sleeping? No, she's 100% sleeping. Yeah. Wake her up. This is um, yes, a veg. Yes. She, okay, she's right. A vegetable is a plant that is used as a food. Okay, so what does a fruit mean? Fruits are not plants. Fruit is the sweet and fleshy product of a tree or plant that contains seeds and can be eaten as a food. So yeah, a fruit is a subcategory of a vegetable. So she, so all fruits are vegetables. A fruit is just a plant or a part of a plant that can be eaten as food. Are all fruits vegetables? Is a fruit a vegetable? I googled also, yeah. Let's ask uh, Gemini. Yeah, biologically, oh, I have Gemini. Yes. Gemini will tell us that all fruits and vegetables are black. Yes. What? Oh, is that? It says, um, yeah, so the difference is, yeah, fruit develops from the flower of the plant, while other parts of the plants are categorized as vegetables. This is fascinating stuff. Yeah, so maybe, I can't tell if Jen's right or wrong. She might be wrong. I think she's wrong. Yeah, probably. I, I feel like she didn't figure out something that everybody else missed. Well, I don't think, I don't think that was her point. I think she was just <laughs> that I, anyway, I don't know. Anyway. Um, all right, so. So, so now we go back to the golf course. Oh, so we are on the golf course finally because because Hobie shows up. And this is very confusing to me. Like, what is he doing on the golf course? We know he's not a member of this club. He came last time as a guest of Larry. That's true. Yeah. So how did he even get in here? He probably just and told like, him at the gate that he's here to art fight with Larry David. And Mr. <laughs> please go right in. Yeah. As inappropriate as Melanie is being, and obviously she like Hobie's also super inappropriate here by confronting Larry, right? 
Of course, this is crazy yeah. behavior. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Okay. Um, it's, and it's, then, like, of it's, like, have... it's like one thing for Melanie to reveal the contents of their session. Like yeah. that, like obviously you should never do, but like, obviously everyone understands that there's like some subset of therapists that are sharing information with their spouses. But then like, but the condition is that the spouse keeps quiet about it. Of yeah. course. Right. Like the, yeah. spouse, like the spouse must, cause like he, he's right now putting her entire reputation and practice at risk. Yeah. Like as soon, cause like as soon as it gets out, they're like, "Oh, this therapist just like tells people, like tells her husband, and then her oh, husband will tell anyone." Her career should be ruined already for many reasons, but yes. <laughs> but like yes. that, this is like the one cardinal rule that, like, fine, if you could get away with telling your spouse, as long as your your spouse is like locks it down. Yeah, gotta put it in the vault. And like of all things, for him to like break silence on, like this is like not a big deal. Yeah, for sure. It's not yeah. like like they revealed in therapy that like you know he you know abused Toby or something like for sure. It's, and it's, and it's like, crazy because his response is to go completely nuclear by like outing Larry as Bart as um excuse me as um as as, as Spartacus. Well, you, yeah. you, you nailed it. Yeah. Um, which um I've never even seen Spartacus, but oh, uh, I have seen Spartacus. Yeah. It's very dated. I mean, it's good, but it's long and slow and dated. Oh, I mean, there's no possibility I would ever watch it now. Um, really? Because you're more into older movies, I feel like, than most people. Um, to an extent, but like, there's certain movies that it's like it did. Like, if it had won Best Picture, I guess I would have to watch it at some point. But didn't did it not uh, win Best Picture? I don't believe so. Oh, anyways, I did watch it. Um, listen, Kirk Douglas is uh pretty cool. Yeah. Um. But yes, but it, but but I absolutely but I absolutely love the scene. I'm gonna guess 1956. That's my guess. Yeah, 1960. Oh, okay. Um, um, yeah, but so Jeff kicks off the I'm Spartacus performance. It's amazing. It's an amazing cap on an amazing episode to me. And it seems like the only person in the entire course who's not disgruntled is Valchek. He's the only one who's not disgruntled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it did not win Best Picture. Um, How long is it? I'm going to guess like three and a half hours. It was way too long. Oh, I'm sure it's absurdly long. Um, let's see. It is 197 minutes. Yeah. Three hours, 17 minutes. All right. Um, yeah, this is also like kind of reminiscent of the, um, season two finale with the, uh, with the cursing where like everyone yeah. covers, covers for yeah. the, what's it called for the, um, Tourette's guy, the chef with Tourette's. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah, and it was also it's like yeah, there's like like Rudy vibes here. Obviously, it's def it's definitely a direct um, reference to Spartacus, but yeah. um, Rudy does like similar thing. Um, what's it called? Um, oh, Captain, my Captain from uh, yeah. Post yeah. Society, kind of like a yeah. similar scene. Um, so yeah, so we end off back in the therapist office, and. Hobie is uh, talking to Melanie and he, you know, he, he tells her the whole thing that just happened. Everyone, like, you know, everyone said that they're disgruntled and Melanie's like, no, but like Jeff is disgruntled. Um, and he's like, he's like, no, no, no. Everyone is disgruntled. Everyone was just saying, it. he's like, no, Jeff is the original disgruntled. I'm saying this loudly and clearly <laughs> yeah. to make for, sure. For Valchek and Willie Geist. <laughs> Willie Geist and Valchek can hear it in the room next door. Uh, okay. And then, and then hold on. And then the next thing she says. Yes. Is that the chef at the club has been eating all of Larry's eggs. Now, the only way for her to know this is if the chef is a patient of hers. Yeah, I think that's the implication. Okay. So the chef – okay, so the chef, the guy from uh, Superstore, she, whatever I said. She's humongous yeah. conflict of interest for her to be the therapist for both the chef and Larry. Yeah, exactly. Um, because otherwise, yes, yeah, so how would she know that? But yeah, but but Willie Guy said Valchek both acknowledged that they, they did think that Larry was um, – 
what was disgruntled. So I guess it's good that we get this resolution before Willie airs his um, expose. Because he would have had to issue a correction. It'd be very embarrassing yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah. Fake news, you know, spreading false rumors about Larry. All right, Av, I think that's our episode. That is our episode. How would you rank it? This episode was very fun. Um, I think um, I, I kind of feel very similarly to this episode as I did the episode before um, in that I felt like it was just like a very throwback episode of Curb. Like, once again, like we're – detached from the main storyline for the most part obviously willie geist is like kind of a follow-up to that but it doesn't feel like it's super cohesive um and i kind of enjoy that um and just like lots of just like typical curb classic stuff just like misunderstandings and social conventions breakfast at 11 um bad therapists um this really made me laugh a lot um i think i have this episode as being a little bit better than last week's episode, but ultimately the same grade, the same score. I'll say disgruntled is pretty, 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 pretty good. Three and a half pretties. Um, very solid, very fun episode. Definitely above average. Definitely one that I will return to. Um, not an all time great, but really enjoyed myself this week. Okay. Um, I enjoyed myself even more, if you can't tell, from the two hours we've been podcasting about this and all the, the random tangents we've been going on. I absolutely love this episode. Uh, this is easily my favorite episode of the season, my favorite episode in a long time. Nice. I think that this episode is pretty, 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 pretty good. That's four and a half pretties. This is wow. my 14th ranked episode of all time. Wow. This is, this is one of the best episodes of Curb. I absolutely love it. I have it one slot ahead of the ugly section. Uh, the ugly section, of course, is where Richard was using an illegal putter. So more golf in that episode. Um, and there, the problem with the restaurant was the seating arrangements here. There's uh, many more problems with the restaurant. Absolutely love Disgruntled. Phenomenal episode. Four and a half pretties in all the way. And I am super pumped and reinvested. And just two weeks ago, I called the fucking assholes Larry and Jeff. So my apologies, because we have made a phenomenal comeback as we've come back across to the West Coast. I love it. Uh, yeah, who wow. is your come with guy? Yeah, I'm. I'm listen, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm all for you loving this. That's to me. That's astonishing. That like, I mean, I, I enjoyed this episode, but like this being a top fifteen episode of the show is wow. That's as soon as I finished watching it Sunday night, I immediately rewatched it a second time. Not even wow. like for my note taking awesome. for the podcast. Like I watch it back to back times just for like pure like nah, enjoyment. That's that's incredible. Good for you. Um, yeah. yeah, not not quite there for me, but uh, I'm uh, I'm enjoying your enjoyment. All right. Well, um, thank you. Well. Oh, come on. Be a come with guy. Come with guy. Yeah, I think the come with guy here has got to be Willie Geist. Um, he's just like so fun. He he'll he'll go wherever it takes him. Larry pulls him into the kitchen to investigate a story there. He's like, all right, let's check this out. Um, he's got a nose for the story. He recognizes that it's not this like voting rights, Jim, Jim Crow 2.0. That's the real issue here. It's who is disgruntled. That's really what people are. Interested <laughs> yeah. In. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's very fun. Um, it's awesome that he was game to do this in such a, a fun and silly way. Um, I, I really enjoyed what, what he brought to the table in this episode. So I'm going to give it to Willie Geist. Yeah. And I, I have to agree with you. Um, as I, as I said, 
when when Susie went on the show with him, she was blowing smoke up his tuchus about about how great he was on the show, or so I thought. But he really was absolutely fantastic. And I think I would hope we get more Willie guys. Maybe we get the the airing of his. Uh, although maybe now that he found out that Larry's not disgruntled, there's no longer anything exciting to report that. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, so Willie Guys for sure for me. You're a fucking asshole. That's what you are. And I think fucking asshole we're probably going to agree as well. Although who knows? <laughs> yeah. There, there's a lot of options. But Mel- Melanie Turner. Yeah. I'm not, is, I'm not, I'm is, not going off the, off the board here. So go ahead. You yeah. can start. Well, I, I mean, as I said before, like we, in a show in which we've had many, many, many bad therapists, she – she has like a part of all of the other bad ones, right? Like, yes. like, like Dr. Thurgood, of course <laughs> she, uh, she squeals and she violates uh, confidentiality. Um, uh, like Dr. Bright, Steve Coogan and Dr. Slavin, she, uh, has her personal relationships interspersed and she, uh, she interacts with her patients outside the, outside of the, um, the, the, uh, of the office in extremely awkward ways. Um, and, um, and like the therapist in the thong, of course, we have uh, an issue with long balls because um, it's Larry's long balls that she spreads rumors of. And then, and then like Dr. Templeton, I said, um, oh, he has he has the subpar seating in his office. She's even worse. She has subpar walls at her office. So, yes, in every single way, Melanie Turner is the worst. And I would argue that she is even worse than somebody who says LOL at jokes. And I think that she takes the crowd as the as the reigning title holder as the biggest fucking asshole on the show. But, but I don't know if you'll agree with that. I did not have that on my radar, but that is an interesting play. Um, we don't have to agree. There was a point um, I, I, in Beat Panic in the end of episode, season 10, mm-hmm. I had Diane worse while you stuck with Solitaroff. Mm-hmm. And then we, it also, went we, we also and had a went, Mel Brooks. Wait, and, then Andy, it, and then it went back to her? Yeah. Uh, I, by the way, Dr. Slavin <laughs> held, held it for two, 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 two weeks. So, it's, so, it's not, so it's not uncommon for a therapist to hold the belt. Yeah. Um, yeah, the biggest, the longest split we had was for, for all of seasons, for the end of season four through season five through season six, you had Mel Brooks with the title. I had Andy Portico with the title. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, we don't it's, have to it's over here. no, it's, so it's interesting. You make, you make a lot of good points. Did you mention the way in which she tries to troll Larry by bringing up the Seinfeld finale? Cause to me, that is also just like an unforgivable crime that he's like, he's like this guy, he invented Seinfeld and you're like trying to be like, Oh, when you came back for the finale that people didn't like, right? Like, well, is she implying he didn't like it or is yes, she just bringing yes. it up because oh, need to bring it up something's happening? No, a hundred percent. It's, and you oh. came back for the finale, which is like universally pans. Like, oh, okay. she's like for sure trying to rub it. Like he's like, he responds awkwardly. So he's, he's for sure trying to like, yeah, she's terrible. Know, yeah, she's terrible. So, um, yeah, you know what? Let's do this. Melody. Wow. You're the fucking asshole. You're the ultimate fucking asshole of the show so far. Solitar, if you're off the hook, you're off the hook. LOL. Oh yeah. my God! And with only six episodes to go, she might be in perpetuity. Oh, this is yeah. There's a very good chance. Yeah, we're gonna need some real fucking hassle, bait. We're gonna we're, we're gonna need Susie Someone's and get, others to really step up their game. <laughs> Someone's gotta really step up, um, or otherwise this episode is gonna end with like, wait, wait, who is the biggest villain of this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Melanie, who's Melanie? Yeah. <laughs> All right, is it time for the postman? Very much so. Postman! Postman! Come here! here Tell the neighborhood! What a shanda, Larry! Uh, uh, Larry uh, David! You you are a lousy Jew! But you're a lousy human being! He screws the wife of a man in a wheelchair! A shanda! Maybe you should have given me some candy! You're a lousy Jew! We have a very full postman this week. Very excited about it. 
Um, well, it's good that we rushed through the first part of the podcast. Yeah. Um, obviously, we have all the usuals. We also have some um, some some throwbacks, some people who joined who haven't uh, written in a while. And even more exciting, we start off with a first-time Postman writer, Jack Small, who says, Alex and Av, this is my first time writing into the Postman, but I've been a long-time listener. I listened episode by episode as I did my first rewatch of the entirety of Curb about six months ago. I'm excited to be caught up in real time with you and also excited to give my thoughts on some new Curb. The episode rating, he says, pretty, pretty good. Two pretties. I think this was probably the weakest of the season. Sorry, Alex. Normally, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief a decent amount for the crazy coincidences that happened in this show, but it was a little too on the nose when the doctor just so happened to be Takahashi's best friend, and Willie guys just so happened to need to see a urologist, and for some reason asked Larry for a recommendation. That's not to say there weren't any good moments in this episode. I generally like what they did with the breakfast cutoff and Larry bringing his own eggs. Only someone like Larry would do something as psychotic as requesting that a kitchen use foreign ingredients. I also <laughs> liked the Spartacus reference with all the members of the club sticking up for Larry and Jeff, saying that they are also disgruntled. Again, very confusing why all these people continue to remain patrons of this clearly horrible golf club. <laughs> However, I didn't think the rest of the episode, rest of the namesake of this episode really landed, especially the big D, little d part of it. Um, oh, I liked, I liked the big D, little D, like, no, I, like, I am disgruntled, I'm just not yeah. disgruntled, yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, come with guy, I had a hard time coming up with a solid come with guy for this episode, this might be a surprising place to take it, but I'm actually gonna go with the waitress. She brought the gang breakfast after the cutoff, brought Larry's eggs back to the chef, and was all, overall fairly polite in the face of some ridiculous Larry requests. It was the chef who ultimately ate Larry's eggs instead of cooking them, not the waitress. Fucking asshole is easily the therapist. Not only does she divulge confidential patient information, but she also makes Larry Longball's rep remark at lunch. She just also seems like a terrible therapist the way she was arguing with Larry in the second session. Excited to hear my name for the first time on the pod. And thanks for putting out such a great podcast. Thank you, Jack Small. Welcome, Really appreciate it. And um, please keep writing in. And anyone who's listening to thus far has not written in. Please write in. Please write in. We'll read your we'll read your email on the podcast. It's like an awesome thing. You just write words and then we read them. And it's like we we turn them into like now you're on the podcast. So if you've ever been too nervous to be a podcaster before, just send us an email. And then you're basically a podcaster. Indeed. Um, okay. MJC, Michael J. Clark in the house. He says he is big D delighted to be back in the mailbag. Strong showing from Willie G and a more muted Rob Riggle. Um Solid episode with a good amount of laughs. Yeah, we didn't really talk. We didn't really discuss the Rob Riggle at all. I guess I, I really only know him from the Daily Show. Um, I don't know if there's other things that you associate him with. Well, uh, the Fox, uh, the Fox pregame NFL shows, right? uh-huh. where he plays all the characters and does the predictions there. Um, he sort of like followed Frank Caliento there. Um, uh-huh. He he was on um, he was on SNL for like a couple seasons. I think when we were in college or something like that. Like this is pre this is pre Daily Show. Yeah, 2004, um, 2005. Yeah, yeah. Now you went to the other show. Yeah. And what else? You know, he shows up in movies from time to time. Yeah, he was in the he was in some little Thelro movies. It looks like. Yeah. Um. Yeah, not someone that I particularly uh care too much about. But cer- yeah, cer- 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 certainly enough. recognizable. Yeah, but, he's very recognizable yeah, face. Yeah. But uh, not a member of the Today Dancing Club, of course. <laughs> yes, certainly not. Yeah. Nor is Willie Geist. I think we 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 mentioned that, but we never got into it. But I yeah. don't think there's any any Ted Dancing Club. Uh, Sure. No, nobody even close. Yeah. Although Willie Geist really, I mean, I was reading his book. First of all, you know, his great grandfather is an, an NHL Hall of Famer. Who's that? Who is his great grandfather? Yeah. 
Oh, um, Marilyn Neal. No, his great grandfather was Herbie Lewis. Herbie Lewis. First. He starred for the Detroit Red Wings from 1928 to 1939. Obviously. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, it says he is. Um, he. What does it say about him over here? He he frequently appears on Andy Cohn's uh, Watch What Happens Live. Mm-hmm. He has twice appeared in People's Sexiest Man Alive. Of course. Um, yeah. Uh, Willie Geist is a, he's a pretty famous guy apparently. Yeah, yeah, he's famous enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nowhere, he's nowhere, not nowhere, yeah, nowhere close. Yeah. Um, so MJC's a solid episode with a good amount of laughs, and I'm enjoying the season overall. The Spartacus reference at the end was clever and not one that I saw coming a mile away. Come with guy is Geist. Game for an interview on LD's turf, seeking a story in the kitchen, and even taking urologist referrals. The fucking asshole is, he says, he could go with the loose lip therapist, but we've seen it done and done better Doctor from Dr. Thurgood in the Buckner episode. So I submit Chef Colton Dunn for hoarding Larry's organic eggs and instigating a disturbance in the kitchen. He gives the episode three and a half pretties good. We turn next to Ken Eisman. Um, another, uh, old, old, you know, throwback in the past. I think he wrote in a couple times previously and now returning to the postman. Um, and we welcome him back. He says one of the best reasons for curb to come back was having the podcast back, but also so you would stop talking about friends for a little while in the chats. Anyway, I didn't love this episode. It felt a little flat to me. Willie Geist, the Ted Danson award winner. I don't think he was able to pull off as the best actor here. Plus, while I know sometimes the ending is telegraphed. This one just seemed so telegraphed to me when he needed the urologist. The fact the therapist broke confidentiality so many times and she was known as the best psychologist wasn't funny, especially they hyped her as this great doctor. What is happening here in this postman? Yeah. Um, I knew this was happening because I read the postman beforehand, so I was excited for (laughs) you to be upset by the postman. Um, (laughs) Irma needs to go. The six months can't come fast enough. She's good for one scene in an episode, but this was just too much. Lastly, I have no problem with a cutoff for breakfast, but I think 11 a.m. is way too early. The I am disgruntled Spartacus scene was very funny, and I would have almost rather have that be the ending of the episode. The asshole is the therapist for breaking confidentiality. The come with guy would have to be all the golf club members who joined the I am disgruntled scene, but especially Jeff. I give the, well, Jeff is the come with guy for disgrunt, being disgruntled to come with himself. I don't really, I don't really buy that because um, he's the real disgruntled. And he says, I give this episode a rating of pretty, pretty good, one and a half pretties. We turn next to Brendan Fitzpatrick. I'm, I'm in shock here. Another nervous. old, another oldie, but a goodie. Welcome, he Brendan. says, this was definitely my favorite episode of the season so far. Not super big laughs, but consistently just a good time. It felt like it was back to the vibes you guys always talk about missing these past couple seasons in terms of how Larry gets into trouble and why. Fucking asshole of the week definitely goes to the couples therapist who, for one, has a clear conflict of interest, but definitely doesn't keep client confidentiality. Tough choice between her and Willie Geist, but I enjoy Geist and his storyline so much I can't possibly give it to him. He was fantastic. But the come with guy goes to Leon for his sacrifice at the urologist. He gives the episode four pretties out of five. Alex Orvitz rejoins the podcast and says, this episode was less funny than last week's, but still an all right episode. My only big laughs came from Leon talking about pissing in bowls and chips on the cob. J.B. Smooth's delivery is so good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Three pretties. That's for the episode, not for J.B. Smooth's delivery. The come with guy is that first guy on the golf course to chime in with an I'm disgruntled. The honorable mention to the server who is just doing her best. And the fucking hassle, he says, I want to put Takahashi because he tyrant, 
but the marriage counselor really sucks, so it's her. Then we go over to Jim Crumley, who says disgruntled was solid. I am left wondering if Jeff will really get kicked out of the club. Four out of five pretties. Come with guy is Leon. Larry really owes him. The fucking asshole is Melody. Larry has no luck. Zach Brooks says that Kenny in the WhatsApp group, that's Kenny Eisman, I believe, also made this comment, but I took away, what I took was disgruntled by this episode. A waste, one of our remaining episodes, and I wasn't, and it wasn't particularly funny. What is happening I here? I know I should have applied logic to this show, but no restaurant would cook ingredients you bring, especially eggs that haven't been refrigerated the whole time. And any therapist would have found the solution to the thin walls. Larry and Jeff wouldn't have been the first ones to notice that. Nice to see Takahashi again this week. The funny guy is a pretty solid nickname. The fucking hassle is the therapist, obviously. Come with guy is Leon, obviously. Corn chips on the cob was one of the few things to make me laugh. Supreme Court finale has to be negative 10, he says, um, 100,000 odds at this point. Two pretties. You think he's? You think Larry's going to go to the Supreme Court in the finale? Um, that would be a lot of uh, cameos, a lot of possible members of the Ted Dancing Club, so I don't think so. You think we'll? You think if they went to the Supreme Court, we'll get the, the real Supreme Court in the episode? Yeah, all nine of them. Clarence Thomas loves the show. Yeah, they'll, yeah. Pay, they'll pay two Clarence Thomas two million dollars to be on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah, that's funny. Um, okay, Olin Allen. Olin Allen says Christopher Hitchens was definitely one who thought Mother Teresa was an asshole. So he uh, he's with you. Anyway, I think I am a small d disgruntled with this episode. I mean, I could feel all the plot points, but not hitting many laughs for me. Wish they got one of actual Seinfeld writers like consulting producer Tom Gamel or a smaller time actor for that role. I have no idea who Tom Gamel was. Uh, but just felt it needed a bit more authenticity. Rating is of, in terms of pretties is 1.5. Olin goes on to comment that this is easily on track for the worst season ever by a long ball mile. I'm totally in shock here. Did people not watch the same episode I watched? <laughs> the fucking I like the episode. Um, fucking asshole is Hobie Turner extracting information from his wife and acting a right vindictive a-hole at the golf club after. Come with Guy. Default goes to Leon. Would do almost anything to help a friend, but he won't do that. <laughs> and finally, as always, go to John Gorlami, who says this is another mixed episode. Enjoyable and no boring parts, but certainly few big laughs or punches. Looks as if things are being set up to further elevate Larry's character, and they may be doing that just to knock him down from a higher level. Lots of the stories used to curb fundamental formulas, which can't be surprising at this stage, was more enjoyable to calmly watch Larry interact with others as he usually does than the great clever ending, which never came. Come with Guy is Jeff for saving Larry after being confronted for being disgruntled. The fucking asshole is easily the therapist. Hopefully we get a few bangers before the end of the season. Two and a half pretties. Well, I don't know how official any of these rankings really are. All right. Well, what's so our cumulative our, ranking with all these dupes yeah. in the postman? So our audience certainly lower on the episode than us, certainly lower than you. Um, they rate this episode cumulatively, collectively, as being 2.67 pretties. Um, which the lowest makes of the this, season. What what is with these people? The lowest of the season, very close to a bottom ten episode of the series, 
104 overall out of 115. So the the audience hated this episode. You absolutely love this episode. You have this as a top 10 episode. Sorry, you said top 15 episode. 14th. 14th um i have this like in the 30s it seems um as an overall rank we come out to 3.56 so av once again nailing it um the uh the overall average tracks of just like last week um 3.56 41 overall rank um so you know very very strong episode good thing for us the uh the score is mostly based on our ranking since it is our podcast yeah um so and it is hard, I will say, to compare a, a new episode as it comes out, I think, to old time episodes, right? Like for I think you should leave that whole third season, I said, was by far the worst season. And then I rewatched it a few times and it grew on me. So um, maybe the some of the listeners will uh, will come around a year or two from now once Curb is gone and they rewatch Disgruntled. But don't you hate to be continued on TV? I mean, the whole reason you watch a TV show is because it ends. If I wanted a long, boring story with no point to it, I have my life. <laughs> Next week, we have an episode with a, a seemingly strange name for, for the third week in a row, I guess. It, it's Fish Stuck. Yeah, do you think of Fish is Stuck because it's in the dark? Ah, should we watch the uh, the trailer as we normally do? Yeah. I'm kind of surprised you're stuffing off the blame on me. I'm equally surprised you won't accept the blame. I am so incredulous that you think I am more to blame than you. What are you doing here, Lair? Can I sue a temple? Ask about that fine-ass Tinkerbell. You are talking to Tinkerbell? Tinkerbell flies all the way ass in there. I'd like to know why he wants to sue the temple. I have a, a temple or two I'd like to sue. Yeah. Well, we mentioned before the season that there was uh, some guy who put on IMDb for all these episodes that he was playing uh, a rabbi's assistant at the temple. So we knew we were coming to temple for some reason, but we didn't know why exactly. Right. That's true. We're right. Yeah. Ask about that fine-ass Tinkerbell. You are talking to Tinkerbell? Tinkerbell flies all the way ass in there. She put her little booty out. Mm, a little bling. It speaks of a very unusual perversion. A man attracted to a thimble-sized fairy. Somebody wrote a defamatory brick about me. Says Larry Davis, disrespectful to women. Gosh. Terrible. And I love women. Well, he loves having sex with women, and he thinks that that proves that he respects well, women. Well, that, and there are other things, too. How much longer do you think you'll be staying, Larry? All right, so a lot of things to look forward to next week. We have Sean Hayes, who uh, we've known for a while, is starring on the season, and he has some role in the temple, it seems like, unless he's a lawyer. I don't know. We'll find out. We have Leon at, at Sangwa Palace Chinese Restaurant talking about Tinkerbell. And then we have – and I had seen this clip when uh, Cheryl was on some show. But, um, yeah, Larry is concerned that there's a brick with a defamatory comment about him uh, being disrespectful towards women. So he wants Cheryl to buy the brick next door. Similar, you have a brick at Shea Stadium, correct, Av? Excuse me, at City I a, Field. I have a brick at City Field with some of my friends, yes. Yeah. My dad asked me, the Vikings have something similar. My dad was like, why would one pay money to put a brick? I'm like, you know, why do you pay money <laughs> to wear a jersey or wear a hat from the team either? It's, a, you know, you want to show your support or whatever. So so that's all coming next week. Obviously, I, I'm flying sky high after this top 15 episode. So uh, for me, I'm pretty confident, but I, I can't say the same for for our our, our negative uh, postman uh, submitter. So I don't know. But at least for myself, I'll say that next week will uh, hopefully, if it's anything like this week, it will be. It'll be pretty good. And I hope that the reason that the fish is stuck is pretty
Get a life, Jews.